So, today, we've got a slightly different format. I've got four of my good friends here on the One Person Man Show. This will be a long one, and we're going to discuss a lot of things. We're going to talk about how to physically biohack yourself. So lots of ideas that my friend Daniel is going to share. Mike here is a growth hacker. So anything related to media content creation, building a brand, he's going to help out and talk about his experience. And Stephen, you already know who Stephen is, and uh, you already know who I am. So we're going to jump on the conversation, drop in your questions. I'll check it every 15, 20 minutes. We'll answer the good ones, and uh, let's go. Let's go forward. Guys, you want to introduce yourself, high level? Sure. So what's up, guys? My name is Daniel. Uh, I used to work in investment banking after I finished university. I worked at places like Goldman Sachs and Barclays, and basically I felt like a square peg in a round hole, and I really didn't enjoy that corporate life. So long story short, I went through a journey of, uh, like I, went, I had lots of these symptoms like uh, low energy, depression, low libido, and stuff like that. And uh, I ended up going on testosterone replacement therapy, but what I found out was that it was a, a short-term fix, sorry, a long-term fix to short-term problems. Uh, and I realized that a lot of men do the same thing and they go on to take testosterone when they really don't need it and they need to fix their lifestyle instead. And so what I ended up doing was starting my own men's health coaching business to help men uh, address and fix the underlying problems and fix their lifestyle instead of resorting to uh, supplements and stuff that they don't need. Brilliant. Yeah, so my name is Mike Fasile. And one of the things that happened is I had a big business, but it was, I literally had like no time. I moved a girl in with me around like the COVID time and it wasn't good because I didn't understand frames and dynamics. So even though I had the money, I didn't have actually the, the right frames and dynamics with women. Yeah. And something happened, crazy stuff happened. And I was like, you know, maybe instead of building a big business, what if I just focus on a personal brand? And went all in the personal brand, focused all on growth, all aspects of life, and just focused on creating so much content where literally I could go ahead and create maybe a year's worth of content in a month and got it to the point where I just pre-scheduled everything to the point where it literally blew up and then now the business or the, the social media now it's like 700,000 subscribers and the income that's coming in is like six figures a month net. And all of that literally just happened because I surround people that were smarter than me, met Steven in Mexico. We kind of beat each other up and then we just started traveling. We started meeting like other guys that were doing cool things. And I started realizing that actually in order to get anything in life and to become a 1% man, you have to surround yourself with 1% men that push you in all aspects of life yeah. in order to grow. It's not just about the money. It's all the things around it. Stephen? Brilliant. Yeah, no, I've done a pod with AG the other day. I like this 1% man show. We've talked about it before. I think that it's, I think he's destined for a big audience. He's doing good things. I like that he helps out guys. And for me, I was a professional dork. I played Counter-Strike professionally back in the day when you used to make no money when you played. And other than that, joined the army after that, got kicked out of that, started an illicit business. We found a lot of success, but got in trouble with that. And then started a crypto fund, invested early into Bitcoin quite 2015, I guess it was $800. Yeah. Mind Ethereum when it was probably $12. So I made a lot of money there. Started a crypto fund, got canceled on that. And now, yeah, I trade crypto, I travel, I meet a lot of guys. Me and Mike live in the same building in Warsaw. Nice. And yeah, meet guys like AG and Daniel through my travels, through networking and being around other great men that are here in Dubai. And yeah, it's, it's a simple story really. It's just, we build each other up and we push each other to the upside. I think each of us, if you could put all of us four into one like person, I think that it would be the perfect guy. So I think we build each other up and each one of us has, has attributes and things that exactly. maybe the other person's slightly down on. So we always sharpen each other up. So I yeah. think iron sharpens iron, I very much like you said. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Didn't know you played Counter Strike, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, I used to be fucking great. I used to play 14 hours a day. It'd be very good. I've only played GTA. Yeah. Never played Counter Strike. You're missing out, bro. Missing out. Brother. You could have been a nerd. Too late. I'm too old now. No, you could have been understand. a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was a nerd. Trust they get. Me. They get. They have success now. You know, they get girls, they get money. Back in yeah. those days, you got neither. You just have Counter Strike. Yeah, there are lots of bunch of big gamers, right? That yeah, blue head right. guy, the bunch of people. Twitch streamers now, they can make massive money and also have an audience, you know, audience of women because they have attention. That women like attention, right? Like women like the guy who has attention, no matter what it's in. If you're a gamer, if you're anything, as long as people like you when they watch you, people view you, it doesn't mean they might not like you. As long yeah. as you have the attention of something, you'll always have women at least looking into you. But then I think, you can have attention, but you have to have the substance to be able to retain. You have to be entertaining. Yeah, I, I mean, most of them are dorks, but they can entertain people. To hold hold the interest of people for an hour, 10 minutes is hard work. They do it well. I agree. They make money out of it. Yeah, yeah. So what are you guys doing in Dubai? I mean, you want to go ahead and get started? I think you were so, here before us. Yeah, so I've been in Dubai for a couple of weeks now. I, I love... Dubai as a city. <clears throat> I think it's got so much going on. It's a fascinating place to be because yeah. it's, it's really a melting pot. It's like there's lots of money, lots of opportunity, there's lots of convenience. Uh, I personally love the sun. <laughs> so I love being in the sun year round if I can. Um, and I just I just really love it. It's kind of like maybe what people used to feel a bit back in the day when America was getting started. It kind of feels has that same energy mm. here in Dubai. Like it's just kind of start, it's fresh, it's new ideas. And they've taken a lot of the good things I think from the West Yep. And they've applied them and they've left a lot of the BS and the crap behind. So they've yeah. what I've noticed for people who've traveled to America, I noticed there's a lot of aspects of America that they've taken here. They've got all the American muscle cars as well. And so all the like the good things about America, the, the convenience aspect, but they don't have all the crap mm. that goes with it. And they've got uh, like kind of, it's kind of strict, but and uh, and they don't tolerate disrespect, which I kind of, I really like. Which is true. And they don't have that, all these values, of the values that probably made the West so successful, uh, they've lost and they've lost touch with. The, uh, the Gulf states, Dubai in particular, one which I've got the most experience with, really retains them <clears throat> and, and realizes their importance. And they've combined them with like a kind of uh, capitalist, liberal, I would say lib free market ideology, which makes it a really interesting place to be if you're an entrepreneur, an open-minded person. If you want to make something of yourself, you can really you can really do it in Dubai. So I, I love it. And it just, it just attracts very, very higher order thinking people, I would say. I mean, people could say, oh, Dubai is like kind of... Um, it's superficial. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Dubai is superficial. I don't like it. It's all about showing off and blah, blah, blah. But like, if that's not the type of person that you are, it doesn't matter. You always get what you put into it, right? And so I, that stuff doesn't really bother me because I don't hang out. I don't mix in those environments. I mix with men like you guys. So <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. So I think that when you're this type of guy and you think from a, a very high level and you want to network with the best people and really make something of your life, Dubai is a, a great place to be. So and from that respect, uh, I've really enjoyed it. And like, here in Dubai, where we we know a, a tailor, for example, who's really really good at what he does, and we've been able to spend some time there, get some new Looking threads. Good. Very Thanks, sharp. man. So it's like I, I love the Dubai experience. That's all I gotta say. Good stuff. You? Yeah, I guess um, the main reason why I'm in Dubai is essentially to pay for friends, right? Like I do believe that so many people, the reason why they're stuck in life is because they're around the same people that have kind of like been bringing them down, right? Yeah. And I do believe that in order to get something in life, you need to see an example of what you want, the relationship you want, the life you want, the health you want. You need to be able to see it in another man before you could actually own it and embody it in yourself. And for me, you know, I was just like, what do I actually want? I want to be able to make more money. I want to be able to have better relationships. Cool. Yeah. And 
for most people, they're like, okay, they, they want that. They want that desire, but then they just stay at home. They stay at home playing video games. They stay at home not doing anything. And they don't realize that you could just get up and leave and go to an environment that kind of has all of that, right? And even just coming here to see what it's like for, you know, wealth to inspire you, to see the buildings, to see just how some guy just said, let's just go ahead and build a city in the middle of the desert and to see it happen and manifest just like so fast. It makes you start realizing that you just think so small. Yeah. And it makes you awake and, and, and realize, well, why can't I just start thinking bigger? Or even like, for example, in relationships, right? Like we just went and did a lot of networking and we saw what it's like to have a good relationship between a female and a male dynamic and, and just spending money to get closer to these people because people are like, oh, give me advice, you know, AG, give me advice, Steven, teach me how to make millions of dollars, but they'll never leave their home. They'll never leave the, their basement. They, they want all the results, but they don't want to go out and get there. And sometimes if you want to be around people that have the success, one of the best things you could actually do is just go ahead and pay your way to get there, fly there, hang out with people, see how you could add value, and naturally you'll start leveling up. So that's why I'm here. That's true. That's a good point. I agree much of what, like Mark yeah. said, for me, we come from Warsaw, both come together, both live in the same building. And yeah, every time I come to Dubai, I always have this, uh, last time I was here, I had a moment where I was on the yacht. I bumped into Martin, uh, invited him on the yacht with me, and he's from Slovakia. And he was mm. telling me, you guys Martin's, know Martin. Martin's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. great guy. Younger guy, but still exceptional. Definitely at my age will be more exceptional than me. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, he tells me that he's the only one from his city that's been to Dubai. He's the only one that's been on a yacht. He doesn't know, like before that, he didn't think that was even possible for him. You know, when he's still a young guy, didn't obviously have a lot of money. He's in a Slovakia, it's not a really wealthy place. And hearing things like that, sometimes when you hear it from someone else, it like resets you to a moment where you think like, I used to think like that. So sometimes it's like seeing things through new eyes. And then I have moments like that here quite often. I had another one when I was heading to the St. Regis when we first got here. It's just a moment where I'm like, I think I've made it. Like, you know, that moment where you sort of sit and you're sitting in the taxi or you're sitting in an Uber or something and you're like, I'm almost where I always sort of imagined that I could end up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like that. I don't know. A performer might have that moment where they're in front of a crowd of 60,000 people or something and they've been struggling their whole career, you know, not making good money, but that moment where they break through and they're like, yeah, I've actually got a hit on the on the radio station or I'm doing well. And I think Dubai, it's it's very polarizing. Like yeah, those it moments, it's very obvious that, that you've, yeah. you know, found some success. You know, you're sitting in a group of the network of guys like AG, Daniel, Mike, and guys like Jules, guys that are exceptional. And it's hard to, it increases your own value where you're like, you know, just to be in the room with these guys and talking to them and being respectful, but they're respectful back. You're like, uh, I've obviously made it. You know, it's, it's very hard to, to hide behind it. And then when you're in Dubai, like I said, it's polarizing, it's just obvious. And what I like about the city here and UAE in general is they move in one direction. You know, there's no like, not. I'm not saying there's no red tape, I'm not in you know the political sphere, but I imagine there's much less with being a kingdom. It's, they have their ideas and they just see them through. And they seem to be very forward thinking, like yeah. what AG said, like they're- They wanna be the best in the best, best of the best yeah. in everything, and do Mike's it first. Like, Mike said it today, he's like, if they build something, they build the best. Yeah. And they want to, they take a lot of pride in the buildings and stuff here too. And I see Amar on a lot of the buildings. And I think that, I think that it's linked to royalty to a degree, yeah. that, that company. Yeah. And yeah. so they're putting their name behind like the product. Yeah. You know, if you're building apartments or something in some of these countries like Australia, they just have sort of like a builder that comes up overnight. They build the product out. They're not here in five years if the building falls apart or something like that. But this, they're putting their name behind it. Yes. And the same with the banking here, I find like, you know, it's, Guys in general will say like, oh, 
you know, UAE or Dubai or whatever, it's it's got too many rules or it's too centralized, you know, but as long as the centralized party is thinking for the future and thinking for the best, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. And like Daniel said, they keep a lot of the, they've taken a lot of the, I think over time they'll take a lot of the best minds out of the West. Yeah, like, what do you do with it? Yeah, yeah. a lot of guys that, they bring money, but they also bring safety. Like you come here, it can be dangerous to be rich in, in the West. You yeah. know, not just dangerous to be rich in like wealth, but dangerous with your own ideas. Yeah. Like if you're a rich guy and you've got your own ideas that, that sort of go against some of that woke narrative, it can be unsafe. Yeah. You know, you can be canceled or you can be like attacked, you yes. know, like where they cancel you, but then can get attacked on the street. You know, it's yeah. it's very crazy in that regard, but here it's it's much the opposite. So I think a lot of time, over time, they'll steal some of the best tech minds. And I think they'll have a, a tech sphere it seems like they're already building it out yeah but i think yeah and i think crypto will be a, a large part of it because like you said they're very forward thinking so i i like ua i like to buy i'm not saying that it's perfect but i like what it stands for and i like where it's heading it is the only problem i mean i've lived here for close to two decades and the only problem is once you get used to the best of the best the flashiest hotels and restaurants and nice cars and roads and everything then you go to the west and you think what the f what is this shithole what is it? People are like, go to LA, go to Miami. I was like, this is the poor version of Dubai. Why am I even here? There's no value exchange. There's no value exchange, right? And anywhere in the world you go, and that's unique to Dubai, but then people will say it's artificial. Dubai has only been Dubai for, what, 20 years, 25 years. When I was here, Burj Khalifa wasn't built. It was just open ground, and I see the whole thing come up. Right, so it's a new place. Give it 50 more years, see the culture change. And like you said, a lot of the nonsense out of the West won't seep into the society because they, they put regulations around it. So, like VPNs. And it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? We're, We're not going to let the West what? in here. You need a VPN to get the West in. No, no, no. Never heard of no, that no. word. No. What's no? <laughs> yeah, so they, they make sure all these things are there. Children's, children are not exposed to all the garbage and wild things that you see in the Western countries. So it's, it's a lot of good things. The only bad thing is two things. It's super hot in June, July. And every summer, I think I need to fly out. I never get to. And then that it kind of ruins you the wonder of the world. You go to the best place, like, I've been in Dubai so well. Yeah. And people hate you for it. going back to it, right, <laughs> Yeah, as well. so going so, back to it. Yeah. You almost want, yeah. Sometimes, though, it's all nice to do the opposites. Like, yeah. sitting, you got nice cars, so yeah. sitting in an average car, you're kind of like, oh, this is a novelty. Like, Which is, for me, the same. Like, I'm trying to fly some other country where I want to go somewhere in the corner of the world. There's nobody there, just trees and villages. I want to see that stuff now because there's nothing else that makes me wonder, oh, wow, this is nice. So, two bad things. I think the only downside... With Dubai, it's not so much a downside, it's that it's so safe that it can it lower your offset, right? Yeah, yeah, it can be, but that's not downside, but for guys like us, you, you want to keep a little bit sharp. But here, because like I, I leave the airport, I get out of the Emirates, like, you know, the, the get, I go to get my bags, someone bumps into me, I'll carry your bags for you, I'll do this stuff for you, I'll take it to the taxi, pretty much carries it into the hotel pretty much carries me into the hotel, tucks me in, and that's that. Like, if you don't want to do anything, you don't really have to, right? And it's the same. Like, you know, you walk out coffee shop, leave You leave phone. it there. Yeah, it's Nobody very likely it. to be back, right? But how do you find it? Like, is, with you, you were kind of not a pioneer of the Bible, but must have been very close to one. What was the decision to move out here? Like, what was the... Oh, well, my father was working here. At that time, this was growing. This was 2005, 2006, and everything was picking up. I'm primarily, I, my experience is based on IT, cybersecurity stuff. So back in the day, there was nothing here. The, the financial center was being built, so everything was going nice. I was like, I, I should be here. This is going to go somewhere. And then I've never left. 
Most people come here saying, I'm going to stay here for three years, save all the money I make, and then I'm going back to England or whatever. <laughs> never happens. Lifestyle. <laughs> That's the danger. Well, why would you want to go back to the UK? Exactly. <laughs> it never happens. The more you make, your lifestyle catches up. Exactly. Right? So that. It's noose. It's a slippery yeah. slope. Yeah, slippery slope. You can go out here a week and easily spend twenty, thirty thousand yes. dollars You won't even know what you happened. Drop 10 in the what club. Link? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's insane. Drop 10 at the tailor. <laughs> <laughs> at least you can wear that. Yeah, true. Easily it's not a waste. Yeah. Yeah, at least you can wear that. Cool. What else? What else? What else do you guys like about Dubai? What do you look forward to? What's next for you? What else do I like about Dubai? Mm, I think, to be honest, <clears throat> for me, we, I think we've covered the the main aspects. But yeah. from a, I think from a business networking aspect and, and being with like-minded people, is the the thing that I like the most about Dubai. There's such a concentration of uh, wealth, success, and like Mike said before. It's just a normalization of success. Mm. So I think uh, from a positive programming standpoint, it's fantastic. So if you're someone who isn't necessarily, you're on the up and up, let's say, and you're a younger guy, uh, uh, I think coming to Dubai, even if you can't afford it per se, even if you spend a few days here, it's just great yeah. from a positive programming standpoint because yeah. you see Lamborghini after Lamborghini after Rolls-Royce after Bentley, it's everywhere. I was, in a, I was in a car park the other day. And there was about 10 Lamborghinis lined up. <laughs> and you, I don't think you would ever see that anywhere else in the world, to be honest. I, I've traveled quite a lot and I've never seen anything like that. You see a Lamborghini here and there, a Ferrari here and there. But in Dubai, it's like, oh, there's another Ferrari. There's another Lamborghini. So it's so normal. So I think from a, a mindset perspective, because that's all, that's in many ways, that's what success is, right? It's programming yourself and programming your mind, especially if you come from a poor background. Like I come from nothing, really. Yeah. So my parents didn't really have, I didn't have much when I was growing up. And so for me to be surrounded by, this when I was young, it's just, I wouldn't be able to imagine it when That's I was true. a kid. So if you don't come from anything, like maybe you're used to it now because you've been here for 25 years, right? No, it so, still makes me wonder. Sometimes I go out, sit in a nice restaurant like Namos or whatever, and all these things happen. Movie stars walking around having this dinner. This steak, this steak cost close to $500 or $600, and then I'm eating this steak. Five years ago, this was impossible for me. I wouldn't even <laughs> imagine going to a place like this. I'm just eating. A week's pay <laughs> on the plate. <laughs> It's like, right. it's crazy. The levels are so different. And the thing is, you could stay in a certain level here, far as you could make, let's say, $10K a month and live a good life. That's still a good life if you know where to go and spend that money. And you could also rise up so fast. It's almost blinding if you are smart enough to do it, mm. right? Especially now in the last two years, also after COVID, it's become more easier to make money. You can so, There's so many ways. We'll discuss there's so many other ways to make money. And in Dubai, it's blindingly fast. Yep. Plus the network, right? That's yep. an important point. We have so many levels in our network that you can elevate yourself in so many different ways. It's almost scary. It multiply. It's multiply, big multiplier. Yeah, Dubai is weird because over the past four years, I was just in Bali. And a oh, year before chill. that, I was just Thailand. So it was like, it was just me not having anything. I was the just wearing Muay Thai shorts. Muay Thai shorts literally every single day. Finding himself. Had a, had a dog. Yeah, exactly. No, I did like all the spiritual did stuff. Did you turn vegan? No, I was for 30 days. Oh, there you go. I was for 30 days. I was for 30 days. I was right, for 30 you, days and then carnival for six your reputation. months. No, no, but well, like I do believe that like everything in life is like split testing. Like if you, if you see, if you see anybody that could ever express something, they have to almost express and, and live through two experiences to actually go ahead and share a message. Right, like the Buddha, he lived through a rich life, he lived through a poor life, and then he was able to go ahead and express his truth through the spectrum of life. So it's very, very interesting, like coming to Bali or coming to Dubai after living in Bali for four years. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's just Muay Thai shorts. I wasn't even wearing shoes. 
just surrounded by all these like spiritual people not caring about materialistic things. And then I come to Dubai and, and you know, Whoa. these guys are Knuckle inviting man. me around. And, and like literally, I was just like, I have, I have to get a Rolex. Like I can't, I cannot not. Like I see you guys talking. Oh, we'll watch you that. We'll watch, what, and, and I literally had no Rolex. I was like, oh man. So I have to go to Dubai, go on all these things, get a Rolex. But but it's very very interesting because when you live a life of just one extreme and then experience another, you you, you almost get to, I think, pick what you want and what you like. This is a good point. And it's 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 good to I guess. I, th I think a lot of people, especially in social media, they, they go ahead and see someone that has the results that they want and they, they're like, I want that, right? But they don't realize that maybe the results that you're comparing yourself with somebody else, the results that you have, maybe you won't actually enjoy yourself because maybe that person has different values than you. And one of the biggest things that people can do is just chase a result for 5, 10, 20 years just because they see someone on the internet when really they don't realize that the person on the internet might have different values. True. So for, for me, I was just like, okay, these are my values. This is what I want. This is the life that I lived for four years. Now let me test the other extreme. So I went from like spending as little as possible, even though I was dating a Russian woman, like I was like spending like maybe $1,500 a month for me and her and our dogs in like our little, little hut in Bali. Being vegan. Being Ross, vegan for 30 days. And then Ross I was, I was, I was carnivore. I was carnivore for six months <laughs> after though. So it, it like evened okay, out. Yeah. I was eating two two times as much meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then to like moving it to the other end where it's like, okay, going from $1,500 a month to spending as much as I can as possible and just seeing where in the middle is is kind of like the Tao or or, or the way or the path for, for me personally based off of my thing. And, and I think me, people just need to go out and experience both sides to see what actually they want, not what they think they want just because they see very successful guys like yourselves on social media, if that makes sense. That doesn't make sense, yeah. I think that's a great point. I find that interesting. And I, that's one of the messages AG has that I find I resonate with a lot. He, he's very much for, or how I take it, that guys don't need to be multi-millionaires no. to be happy. You know, yeah. a guy can, like you said, a guy can be happy on 10K a month, even here. Yeah. He might still be able to support, you know, a, a wife and a, a family. Oh, yeah. You know, he's not necessarily going to $500 stakes or maybe even not even $50 stakes, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's not, and not everyone needs to be, multi-millionaire not everyone needs to have a ferrari not everyone needs to you know have that massive lavish life that maybe they do see online like mike says you know i think that some figures online are just so big and yeah. then people don't really know themselves and people see this person getting all this attention and they just think I, if i can just pretend to be this person or, or this is who i want but if they sat down and wrote down all that what they want to be that person is not who they would want to even exactly be. The funny thing is that most people don't even spend the time to think about that. Yeah. The amount of people that actually sit down and want to and like write down. I've spoke to so many people, like in my coaching business, I speak to a lot of people, and the most people, most people don't sit down to actually write their goals, what they want out of life, and how they want to live it. So it's crazy. And so you've you've touched on something which I think is super super important. It's like being congruent with the life that you want to live, right? And I think if most people gave some thought to it, which is what you're all about. Uh, they'd have a much more fulfilled life and existence. Very true. And yeah. I think with the same, like with the writing down their values, I like that concept, you know, just writing down what's important to you. Because what you value, you know, you, your biggest thing might be brotherhood. And for others, that might not be the case. Yeah. Again, brotherhood should be high up for everyone, but not everyone's the same. You know, I think that one of our biggest strengths is that we do have that brotherhood and we feed it. But to be a good brother, you have to be a good friend. And that's not, that's learned behavior. I think people think, you know, they, they'll say, oh, why don't I have a network or why don't I have any friends or like, why don't I have any brothers? But it's trained. Like, you it know, is. it's like having a girl, like a, a good partner. It's not, it's learned behavior. It's not just something people know off the bat. It's like a sniper rifle. You have to calibrate to hit the target. You know, maybe you got to fire a few shots and miss. Yeah. And then you can set the scope. You know about that. 
and hit your target. You know, it's it takes calibration, it takes practice. The, the issue is, Stephen, most people, even if you you must have you you guys must be getting DMs all the time. We'll just say I, I had a tweet about this. Yo, G, what's up? Hey, bro, what's up? They just want to take the number one rule of brotherhood, and I've said this to people in our group: is not just by Rolexes, hanging out with guys and have cigars. It's There has to be value exchange, right? Today, we're doing a value exchange. Now, anything happens, I hear something happen. Daniel, there's a guy like this, Mike, Stephen. I'm going to connect all my brothers to my whoever. If, they, if that's going to benefit them, I will 100% connect. That's my whole ethos. So I give respect, I take respect, and give it back. People don't do this. They forgot about the give and take. Most of the time, it's usually give more than you take, especially in a circle, high network individuals. you got to give a lot. Nobody wants to do it. I want to answer now. There are people messaging me and asking me, uh, what do you do? I said, watch the podcast. No, but tell me, what do you do? Like, you, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to scream at them, but you are so lazy to go watch a 10 minute clip and understand what this is all about. You rather ask me questions and I have to answer you. It's <coughs> called Google IQ. So it's the yeah. generation of people who've uh, been fed answers from Google and then they expect things, everything in life should be instantaneous. And I, it's intellectual laziness as well. And they get upset too. Correct. A few people got upset at me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's it's insane. Major entitlement. Yeah. yeah. Major entitlement. I've, like the, perhaps the generation that we grew up in, like uh, if I was like, I would be, people would smack the shit out of me if I asked it, if I asked a dumb entitled question like that. So I always thought, okay, I've got to come correct. We've got to be respectful and kind of humble a little bit, especially when you're coming up. And like, even if you don't have a lot of value to add and you're a younger guy, Men, especially being around other men, they respect humility and they appreciate respect. True. So as long as yeah. you show those two things, like True. people, men will tolerate you, and they'll even want, maybe even want to take you under their Listen wing. Listen to this. Well, it's if you don't even have, if you don't even have the basics of good manners, which is something I always thought was important, good manners and show respect, then you're fucked. <laughs> no one wants anything to do with you, especially in a group of men. Yeah, to take respect, you have to give it. Right? Exactly. You can never be just a respect taker. You have to be a respect giver. But. Yep. Very well said. I think much the same. You know, it's guys will see guys like us, and we have the toys, we have nice things, and they think that that's it, but they don't understand. Like guys like us can take the Rolex off, throw it in the trash, and we're still yeah. sitting here talking together. Yeah, it doesn't matter if we're not at the Burj eating dinner or just drinking. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Like we'd be just as happy sitting in this like podcast studio and talking for hours. It's not about like who has the most money or who has the nicest things. It's about the value that, and most of the guys' value is internal. And the outside, what you have on the outside is just an accessory. But everything starts like in inside, I think like foundationally. You know, so we can sit down and, and the things that we discuss, you know, we talk about watches and things like that. But it's all because, like you said, the guys are coming in correct. You know, we've learned respect. We, we learn to be respect givers, takers. But yeah. it's, it's the foundational level. Like our foundation has already been built and only was built under a lot of hardship. You know, so. When you're... I think when you're, as someone said it the other day, it's a great phrase, when you've been brought up by the internet, you don't have these social skills, right? Which I think a lot of people these days, a lot of upcoming people, like younger people, they don't have the basic social skills because they never had to learn them, mm. right? Because they spent their, a lot of their childhood or their adolescence behind technology. So, sure. and, and plus people don't get, in the West, people don't get called out for bad manners. They don't. Like I call it out because I fucking hate when someone is disrespectful to me or like, Yoji, can you tell me this? I'm like, what? Nah, fuck you, bro. Like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna tell you shit. <laughs> like, if you ask me nicely, I'll, I'll, I'll like consider you. I'll give you a few moments because you, even though you've asked yeah. me nicely, I might not yeah. consider it like the question, but like, I'll even look at it, you know, just simply because you're being respectful. But if yeah. you, if you come in all like entitled and I'm like, fuck you, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, not respecting your time. No, you know, retirement has value. 
yeah. you know, the higher you get in life, the more valuable your time is. So <clears throat> they don't come correct, much like you said. And when a guy's starting out to me, like he, he might have low value, like he might be a younger guy or he might just be a guy who's just sort of messed around, like in his 20s, 30s, and now he might be 40 and he might not be on the higher end of value. But as long as he's respectful, if he is, presents as an eager student, guys like us are always going to be an eager teacher, I believe. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a respect thing. I think it goes back to the old days with the Shale and monks, you know, where the, the guy used to have to climb the mountain and pretty much knock on the temple door and be like, master, I don't know fucking anything, but yeah. will you please teach me? And he'd leave him sitting out the door for a few days to, to prove that he's serious about it. You know, it's, you have to clear your mind because a lot of guys have a, a very undeserved ego and I think that holds them back and they don't realize that it's undeserved until they start hanging out with guys on the higher end because guys on the higher end can see someone and be like, this guy's results don't match what like who he thinks he is. Yeah. Like I'm not I don't want to hear this. Like I don't want to hear this ego from a guy who doesn't really have his shit together. Yeah. I mean this is especially true like in some of the all male environments you've been in as well, right? If you had that entitled attitude, you would have got found out. They will break you down yeah, of course, yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. Right? Sure. So you, exactly you had right. to learn how to be like that. Yeah, I had a very big entitlement, I think, because when I was in the army, I always thought that you know what I learned about brotherhood and things like that, but I always had the ego. I always had a big ego. I was always big guy like bigger than i am today used to be into the testosterone things like that <laughs> a lot a lot of gear so i was always big you know big and strong so i used to get that ego that went alongside that and it wasn't until i sort of started doing other things and then eventually would go to prison that i dropped off that a lot of that ego had to had to go out the window mm. you'd just be in conflicts all the time and conflicts in there aren't like a normal conflict, you know, people's life and death. Yeah. But it's also, I learned that when I was starting to hang around with higher end guys, like, you know, Jewel and, and guys like you guys and things like that, I used to, when I was doing, you know, illegal activities, <laughs> I'd get, I'd have my nickname, like people would be like, this is boss, you know, this is the boss, this is this and that. And I, I went along with that. I'd be like, yeah, I'm the boss, you know. I, but of course, people just feather you up because you have stuff and you have money. Mm. But I always thought, you know, I was the boss and things like that. And it wasn't until I started hanging out with higher end guys, guys would be like, what's your nickname? And I'd be like, oh, I don't have one. Because it's an insult, right? Like to run around and be like, oh, I'm the boss. But you're not, you know what I mean? Like, and to think that I'm the top guy just shows like a complete lack of self-awareness. Ego is like really interesting because in order to, to drop your ego, you have to go through like some type of pain, either lose a bunch of money or or lose, you know, the identity of who you used to be. Maybe it's losing a bunch of money or maybe it's having friends and then just getting eradicated from your friends or maybe it's moving to a new country. So I'm like really curious because you guys are like all 1% men, right? So what was kind of like that ego death that humbled you guys to then kind of build yourself up to get to the point where then you were able to become a student to then grow, get the results, and then now be in a position of power from that point? Because a lot of people watching this are like, I want this, I want that, I want this, but they still don't have that initial ego death that allows them to be humbled enough to realize, number one, actually my life sucks. Number two, no one's going to go ahead and change my life. Number three, if I'm going to go ahead and get something, I have to go ahead and do it myself. But but that literally essentially comes from some type of ego death where it's like, okay, I, I'm literally at a point where I need help or I need to get help or I need to grow as a person. So I'm really curious like for all you guys. To me, I mean, I... I Pondered these kind of questions a lot. I, do, I was talking to you about it. I do self-analysis on a regular basis. There's never a time I sit quietly and just listen to music. I'm always thinking about the next tweak that I need to do, and I'm constantly doing that. To me, ego is like fire, meaning you could use it to burn out a whole village or use it to light a candle. It's important when you're coming up. So 
I truly believe that when you're coming up, the battle you need to fight. As a young guy trying to build something, you need to first fight yourself and be be you know be peaceful with the world. And once you get to a point where we are at, then you keep you fight you know keep peace with yourself and fight a war with the world. The difference is, ego, with the right intention of using it, is important to build you up something. But you need to know where to use it. You cannot go into a group like you were saying, and then you sit there and like I'm the boss. Talk to me. Why they're not talking to me? Uh, give me importance. Listen to me. Focus. You know that is bad ego. But you need a certain amount of ego, which is a good ego, to push yourself forward. It's important because otherwise, if most of the people that I know, everybody that I know have done something in their lives, think they are special. Whether they show it or not, we all believe in our hearts we are a tiny bit special than the other person. <laughs> that, that's a psychological fact. That is the reason you do all of these things that you do. Otherwise, you're just going to be a bum. Like most of the people who don't do anything or have never attempted to do anything special, they truly feel like, you know, well, nothing special about me. I'm just a common man, which is fine. If they're happy with us, it's fine. But don't sit in that position and throw rocks at other people who are doing stuff. No, you know what? This guy's this. This guy's going to a club. Just don't do that. So ego, going back to the question, ego is super important to begin with to build yourself as a man. And as you get more and more successful, you need to dilute that ego in a way that you, at some point you won't even need an ego because you've built yourself up with the right stories and experiences. So to me, it's a power of intention. It's a fire that you need to know when to use. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, that's that's powerful. It's very good. Yeah, so uh, I think that's really interesting. I think I would also say that maybe you need a little bit of, uh, be able to have the ability to be introspective a little bit with that Absolutely. as well, right? And I suppose that only comes with a bit more with age and perhaps True. life experience, True. right? But what you're saying is like, it's absolutely spot on. But to be honest, the, the concept that you talk about, about self-analysis, that's something that anyone can apply at any age, right? And I think that helps with your self-awareness is knowing who you are and what you want out of life. You might not know it individually, like you might not know it straight away, but if you actually put the time and effort into to do it, like you do on a regular basis, then I think that's where the, the wisdom and self-knowledge comes from. So for me, like it was, uh, I think the most hum one of the most humbling experiences I did, and it was a catalyst for me for change was when I was working in investment banking and uh, I was working in investment banking the rest of my 20s. Mm. And I kind of fell into it, to be honest with you, after university because it wasn't like an intentional, I want to be an investment banker. It was like more, okay, this pays well. It's pretty prestigious. It's maybe a good career path. Let's try it. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be my own man. I wanted to be my own boss, but I didn't know how I was going to do it because I wasn't surrounded by people who were entrepreneurs. I never had any mentorship. My, my parents didn't do anything like that and neither did any of my friends. And so I was like, how do I even start this? So it, for me, it wasn't even... Now, the, my mindset from when I was younger to where I am now, it's like two different worlds. I couldn't even imagine, like you were saying, Steve, it's like when you're around this stuff, it's like, oh, it's, this is normal. Yeah. But when you're not surrounded by that stuff, it's like your mind can't, it's like half your mind to even imagine, yeah. right? If you've never sat in a, in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, it's like, it's hard to imagine what the experience is like, what the engine sounds like, right? And for me, it was the same thing about having my own business. I, I was like, I thought all these special people did it and like they had these connections and stuff like that. I didn't realize that I, it was possible for me. But I had a, an experience where during my 20s, I, I really got into uh, biohacking and um, health and fitness. I experimented with loads of different diets. I didn't try the vegan diet, though. But uh, <laughs> I tried That's it. Just I did lots of, <laughs> That's just Mike. I did lots of uh, I did blood testing. I did lots of research, lots of different books. And I started blood testing every year from the age of 25 because I heard on the podcast that it was good to get like a, a benchmark for like my blood test results and then look at them over years to see where the trajectory was going, which made sense in my mind. So... Mm. I could preempt health problems before they became a major problem. And so I started having blood tests on a yearly basis. And I had one at the age of 27, 28. And then I looked through all the results and everything looked pretty good. And then I got to testosterone. And lo and behold, 
I had the testosterone level of an 80 year old man. And I was like shocked. And I was like, what the hell? I was like eating really well, taking care of my body, didn't smoke, didn't drink. Was it a I, medical condition? Uh, well, uh, looking back in hindsight, I think if I knew what I knew now, I don't think it was a medical condition. I think it was the result of uh, like things like stress, uh, poor gut health, uh, maybe my sleep wasn't as good as I thought it was. And I thought I was the man and I knew my shit and I was taking care of my body, but mm. I didn't know what I didn't know, frankly. And so like, I thought the only option for me on the table was because like, I had this low testosterone and then suddenly all these symptoms that I had been experiencing over the past year, year and a half made sense. I had low libido, I had anxiety, like, I had depression. I felt like a black cloud was following me around all day long and I couldn't make sense of it. Like, why do I feel like shit? And I didn't know why. I just didn't feel right in myself. I didn't feel balanced. And, but I had normalized and put all these symptoms aside because they crept up on me over time. And then, and I just thought I was a negative person. I, I just felt like I really struggled to master my emotions and felt like it was, it was a struggle to be positive, to be honest with you. It wasn't like I was like a, a really super depressed person. Where was me? Foggy. Foggy, yeah. brain fog. It's just like, yeah. I didn't have the clarity and the, I know what you mean. And the desire. I, I knew I wanted to be my own man and have a, a, like an amazing life, but I felt like the life force wasn't in me to be the man that I really wanted to be. It was like there was something, it was like a spark yeah. was missing. And then when I had that test, I was like, ah, oh, now I fucking get it. Now I know why I didn't want to like quit this job and have the balls to go after what I wanted. So long story short, I thought, well, the only option left for me is to go on TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, because I thought, well, I'm eating well, I don't smoke, I don't drink really. And like my lifestyle was pretty good. So I was like, that's the only option left for me, pharmaceutical grade testosterone. Cause I had a friend at the time, my friend Jay Campbell, who's like, he was an expert on TRT, written best-selling books, like number one guy in the world on TRT. He's like, who, to get, who better to get mentored by? And he's like, bro, you need to go on TRT. Like that's the only way to you, for you to live the life that you wanna live. And I was like, I think you're right, bro. So after a lot of deliberation, I underwent testosterone replacement therapy. And, and to be honest with you, I shit myself. <laughs> I got a prescription from a doctor at 28 and I'm like, I get these needles and I get the prescription. I'm like, <laughs> am I really gonna do this? I was sitting in the kitchen and I'm thinking to myself, am I really gonna inject myself? I'm a 28 year old kid and I'm gonna inject myself and I'm gonna be on this for the rest of my life. I knew what it entailed because I did a lot of research on it and I knew what it was about. So I was like, I wasn't going into it blind. I was like, I, I researched it and if anything, I overthought it. But I thought, this is the choice. It's either I have the life that I want or I just stay where I am. So I thought, I've got to do it. I, I, can't, I can't live this life anymore where I felt like a shadow of myself. So actually, the first injection, I actually got my roommate to inject me because I shit myself that much. I put it off for like two weeks. I had the, I had the prescription. But the bum bum or the hair? But cheeks. Say so again. Just the bare ass. On the thigh. That's dangerous. Yeah, in the thigh. No, it's fine. Dead leg. If you do it properly in the thigh, it's fine. So uh, he injected me and then I was like, okay, this is the start of my life. And then I had a bit of a dilemma in the first few weeks. I was like, what am I doing to myself? I'm injecting myself with this fucking metal that's going into my body. I, like, it felt so weird. Forever. Uh, forever. Yeah. Like, what am I doing with my life? But then I started to experience these um, improvements in the way that I felt. I was like, I had energy again. Mm. I felt like a man again. I felt like, fuck, I, I'm like, it's like I came alive. I was like, I'm a man again. Fuck yeah. Fire. I, can, I, I, have, can... I have a question for you. So I do the blood testing every yep. four months on a regular basis. Now, since I'm a bit older, I do it every three months. It's important, all the markers, you're right. But why doesn't the, even the doctors, yeah? Yep. They never even recommend you to do the testosterone unless you have some serious issues. And also, insurance around here never covers, that's never even part of the package. Why is it the whole industry against the the hormonal therapy? Why is there no one really talking about this? Well, it's a great question. So, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with the, what I'll say about testosterone. I'll finish, I'll finish my story a little bit. And I'll say, so I went on testosterone and it helped me in many ways. It improved my libido, came back, my energy. I started getting results in the gym again. I've been training for a year and a half. Didn't get any muscle mass. 
yeah. I was like, what the fuck? So it, and it was all because my T was low. And so TRT basically restored what the levels should have been, right, as a man at 28 years old. Mm. And so I started seeing all these results and feeling better. But what I realized is there was still th some things that I it didn't fix. Like my mood was still up and down. My energy was still up and down. And like uh, I, I thought it would address all of these problems, but it, it didn't. And then after that, it, the one thing it did give me was the courage to like quit my job and go after what I wanted in life. And I quit my job and I went to work in a TRT clinic for a while, right? And uh, what that made me, because I was so such a big proponent of TRT, I thought everyone should be on it. Yeah. I thought, because I had such a good experience, but in many ways, it was only until afterwards I realized it wasn't what I thought it was. You're like Mike when you went vegan, telling yeah, everybody, basically. you should be vegan. Everyone should be a vegan, right? But you're not a real man if you're not vegan. <laughs> and I went to a TRT clinic, <laughs> and uh, I saw, I, saw I, I read lots and lots and lots of blood tests, right? And I saw so many men, and I used to speak and interact with all these men, and they were getting prescribed TRT when most of them shouldn't have been. And they should have just fixed their sleep, fixed their nutrition, have a better mindset, you know, really improve their lifestyle, lose body fat, most importantly. Because yeah. a lot of these things, they lower your testosterone. And these guys weren't, and they were going for the quick fix and, on TRT. And so it kind of disgusted me a little bit. And I felt very disgruntled because I felt like, Maybe not necessarily taken advantage of because the clinic I was working in had good intentions, but they were doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I, I'm actually the first person who the first person to say, don't go on TRT and I'm on it myself because I, I would rather people fix things properly. So yeah. to answer your question about TRT is like um, I think men who genuinely have a medical clinical condition, I think like not as a doctor or medical advice, but someone who has like if your balls have been you've had a traumatic injury on your balls and you can't produce testosterone or you've had a TBI you've been blown up in Afghanistan or something like that and you can't produce testosterone probably it might be a good reason for you to take it mm. but if you've got a lifestyle issue then like you probably should fix that first but when it comes to doctors frankly most doctors don't know anything about testosterone replacement therapy how it works people think just because they're an md or they're a doctor they know they don't it's a specialization oh, that's crazy though i only know a few such an important part of it your is. lifestyle as a man yeah nobody talks about it no and it's it's a it's a lack of education uh, they don't know so they're reading from a textbook about yeah. what should be done but it's yeah. a, actually it's like it's like the stuff that all we talk about here we've been speaking about for the past half an hour or so which is a kind of on the fringe and it's not really widely known right like anything in life that's important and good to have yeah. not many people know about it's the same with uh, testosterone so I, I and i also think the important thing to understand is that this have when it comes to testosterone for example there's one big range that you mm. get tested for mm. and if you're within this massive range <laughs> which is old young sick and healthy you're normal but there's a big difference between optimal and normal right yeah, so true. you can be the bottom end of the range the le bottom end of the range is 300 let's say and the top is a thousand you can be uh, 301 <laughs> and you're normal but you aren't you feel like crap and yeah. you're like the testosterone of an 80 year old man i saw doctors and they told me i was normal so I know exactly what it feels like. So to answer your question, it's misinformation for the most part. Insane. Yeah, I agree. Much the same. TRT, it's, I think that it's under-prescribed, but it's also wrongly prescribed. Yes. Like a lot of guys who, who just think it's like some holy grail. If they just get, you know, uh, even like 125 migs test E or something a week, that they're just going to feel like a, some Superman. And then they'll take <laughs> it once a week instead of twice a week. You need to keep the blood levels as stable as possible. Yes. So guys should try and take it every day, even if it's a small amount. Well, one thing that I'm curious about is say someone's on like testosterone, like yep. replacement, right? But so, so that's like the internal hormones that's like in, but you yep. put this person in a situation where he's like staying at home, moved in with a girl and isn't in purpose, doesn't have, you know, like people to kind of compete against to kind of grow, yep. right? Would the, would the testosterone replacement actually help or would it be negligible because now you have environmental conditions that are really kind of just halting people's testosterone? 
Like if, if that makes sense. <clears throat> I think in many ways, testosterone is a bit like money. It just makes yeah. you more of who you are, right? So testosterone, people think That's have this misconception about- Yeah, it's strong. People have this misconception about testosterone and they think it turns you into a raging like steroid uh, junkie, right? Yeah. Who's like beats people up and, and like wants to kill people. It's not, it just makes you more of who you are. So if you're like already a pussy uh, and you let your girl tell you what to do, and you're just like a doormat for everyone. You're just going to be more of a doormat, just a, like a, maybe a stronger one with a deeper, a deeper voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No. Honestly, it just makes you, it makes you more of who you are. Yeah. Now, is that to say that it won't ignite something inside of you? If you already have, I think, if you already have that inside of you, it might help it come out because you're getting more in touch with your masculinity. It doesn't mean that you need testosterone to get in touch with that. It just optimizes your hormonal levels, so you could maybe do that naturally. You don't necessarily need testosterone too. That's just a, a quick way to do it, right? So I, I personally think that you have to have that inside. So if in my case, I was like already training a lot. I already had very good mentorship. I was very fortunate, but I already sought those mentors out. So I had the right people around me. So like, it was right really for me, it was like a, a catalyst in my life. But I think if you have, a, have that life, it just doesn't, like these things you see on a movie, like uh, Captain America is a classic example, yeah. right? He gets, this guy's a skinny motherfucker. Then he gets juiced up and he's like, it is juiced up, right? And that movie's just an advertisement. That movie is just an advertisement for a TRT. <laughs> no, that's it's like, like high end stuff. <laughs> it's like when guys think, oh, I'll take a steroid cycle, trend cycle, whatever. Yeah. And now that I'm in shape, suddenly I'm just going to have all these girls. Yeah. And they can get girls initially. Maybe they look at them more or whatever, but frame matters. You can be a big pussy. It doesn't matter. Like in, in jail, they were saying he's big for nothing. Yeah. Being wow. big and he just got knocked out by a guy at 60 kilos. You know? yep. Big for nothing is almost worse than, than being a small guy. Because in, in prison or any sort of environment like that, big guys get tested because now it's interesting. It's not interesting to beat up the smallest guy in the unit. But if it's the big guy, now that's like interesting guys who can fight are like, yeah, I, I want to take that guy down. Right. Bigger target, right? But that's true. It's the same. But I think in general, guys now, gym is great, but gym is not a personality. Like just being a gym guy. Oh, that's great. That's the gym point. dude, you know, the guy, the gym bro. That's cool. Like, of course, training is great. But that's a small part of being a man. You still have to do all of the other things, right? Like you still have to have foundational fitness is one, but just because someone's in shape or whatever, I think guys, guys have a, a lot of guys that are in the gym, they have it, they go there for like a fear reason. They go there to get intimidating. Like it's a thing in Australia, things like that. Guys will just get covered in tattoos, but it doesn't really like mean anything. You know, it's, and then you'll be like, why'd you get covered in tattoos? And it's a way that they try to scare away people before they can get to them. Yeah. It's like- Look, a, and, look dangerous. Yes, of course. But then all it does is the wrong person is interested. Now, It's like being a, a good fighter. The only person who's gonna fight you is someone who's a great fighter. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like turning up and being known as a guy who's got guns. The only person who's gonna come to you is someone with a, a gun. You know, so it's, it's in its own way, it's quite dangerous. Same but, Jim, like Jim, I think Jim is great. I think a lot of what you do, Daniel, is amazing because I know it's not just Jim. If you're, like you say, your hormones are whack, if you're not really eating the right things, it's, I know that a lot of your programs or, or things that I've seen, like from the feedback I've got from some of the guys I know, it's, it's really helped guys with like their weight loss, but also like their skin, their overall happiness, their like gut health. I think that's a massive thing that, that's probably quite overlooked. I know with me, my diet's not the best. So I know that my gut in general, as I've gotten older, some foods I eat and I'm just like, it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like I used to, I used to drink and then feel okay the next right. day. Now oh, it's proof. like, yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's like the indigestion starts kicking in. So what's gut health like in general? What is it? I know it's not a topic that's too glamorous, but I've always wondered what it is to it. Probiotics. Well, a lot of people think that, and that's like kind of us like, um, I don't know, 
it's very, it's, I think it's kind of a, a simplistic answer, right? Because <clears throat> just take the prebiotics or probiotics and, and you'll be all right. But uh, I think that to your point, the older you get, I think the more important it is to take care of yourself, right? Because your metabolism slows down. It's, and so you've got to take even more care of yourself. Even the older, I say the older you get, the better you got to eat in many ways. But with, with gut health, people don't realize that gut health actually starts in the mouth. So it starts yeah. with how you eat and what you eat, right? So the, the, they call it in, in my nutrition training, at least, they call it the oral cavity, right? And so the gut health starts there. So for example, I say to guys, the number one thing you need to do to improve your gut health is actually chew, uh, chew your food more. Because what happens is if you chew big chunks, then it bypasses the mechanism in your mouth to help you digest food. So when you chew, uh, chew properly, your mouth release, releases saliva to help you break down. Yeah. It releases enzymes in the saliva to help you break down the food. And so that helps it with the digestion of it. But if you just eat like, you notice uh, nine times out of 10, anyone who's overweight, they eat massive chunks and eat very quickly. Right? Like me. So this <laughs> He's is, like this a is the number man. one trait. Uh, watch anyone who's overweight that you know and watch how they eat. And that's not picking on people. That's just the thing that I've seen. It's a theme. They eat like massive chunks and they eat really quickly. And what does that do? That ruins your digestion and ruins your gut health. Right? So I, I think that's really, really, that's for me, simple. I, I'm a big believer in simplicity. So a lot of people, they what probiotic do I take, bro? Or like, da 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 da. No, bro, just like fix the root cause first. Fix like what you're eating and how are you going to eat. So for me, those are most important. And then obviously the, the quality of your food. So that if you get those things right, nine times out of 10, you're going to fix it. Obviously, we can get more deeper than that. But for me, that it's always fixing the basic fundamental things. People want to get to the specifics without mastering the basics. So I believe get the basics right first. You said an interesting thing, uh, big for nothing, right? Like what they said in jail. Uh, one thing that I'm like curious about is the other end of things like rich for nothing, right? And and this is kind of like a question for you. That's a good point. Because you've you've been here for like 20 years and for everyone that's probably watching, there's probably male 18 to 25, 30 or whatever. And they, they want to chase this money and they think when I have money, I'll fix my testosterone, I'll, I'll fix my dating, I'll fix my relationship. But you've been here for 20 years and you've clearly seen people that made a lot of money yet are very like unhappy. Like I remember meeting a billionaire and he had to go home at like 6 p.m. because his wife wanted him for, for dinner and he couldn't hang out with like like cool people, right? So what I'm curious like from you and what you've seen living here for 20 years for the people that have been aggressively chasing money, what what were the things that they were chasing when they looked back at it? It wasn't actually worth it because they didn't actually have, you know, good people around them to go ahead and conversate with these topics. And, and, and even though they didn't have the money, they, they were rich for nothing, kind of like how people who are big, they just they, there's no substance underneath the money. There's no substance underneath the muscle. So what, what would you have to say to that for seeing this for 20 years and living in a place that's very, very wealthy? You don't... I, look at the crypto world since crypto was pumping. Well, this was pumping till last one year, right? In, over the last four years, NFTs, cryptos, you see these young kids, 18, 19, 20, and millions of dollars, they caught a pump. And we know a few of these people, zero social skills. They look like victims and targets and they walk around. It's the same thing with the with the older gentlemen who have made a bunch of money. And I've met, I know a few, I've met a few and so on. The problem with all of this is that people go chase things when they are off center. So back in the old times, like in a village, we all had, they all had like a center place. It could be the church. It could be a tree, it could be a point, central point where they all come together, talk and so on. People don't have that internally. So, and they're going to 10, splinter off to 10 different directions. And some people actually get successful making money. And then they say, you know, it doesn't, money doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not really happy. 
and they've got the they they look ba- physically they're not fit or they don't have good relationships with their family and children and whatever and there are people who are extremely fit have no money and that there's always constant back and forth so i believe truly that you have to the lack of self awareness and thinking that i need to have this to be this is the exact problem the especially with the new generation tiktok there are some bunch of guys selling courses showing the lifestyle i need to have this lambo why we were discussing this you don't need a million dollars to be happy if you can make 20 to 25000 dollars you can live pretty well in uae and this is dubai super expensive you can go to some other city you're going to go to spain live a good life you don't need all that trouble and then you get to that you say shit this is not what i want and now i want more so it's a endless cycle you got to analyze the whole table and say okay maybe i need this but i need to make sure that i need to be physically fit i need to build a brotherhood i need to make sure my children respect me i need to find a good woman it's 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 all over the place you can chase one thing if that's important for you but understand that that's not the end of it all and like i said in the beginning it's the the problem is they're off balance and then when they get if they are lucky enough to get to their goal they realize that the goal isn't good enough like Tyson Fury trained all his life became uh, beat Vladimir Klitschko and he went into severe depression for 3 years almost about to kill himself yes he wanted to become the champion but he believed that was the end of it now what he didn't want it. he wanted to build a legacy he wanted to be this fun guy doing fight that's what he wanted what he's doing now is what he wanted same thing with most people they're off balance so they do all these things and like you said there are people i know as well when they get together say the missus said only one beer tonight i say oh my god i should choke you all right now this is such <laughs> a pussy mean, you mean the boss yeah, yeah. the boss the let C- me call the boss <laughs> yeah, no they call them ceos yeah. okay, like, oh yeah. my god there's nothing more pussified than CEO. calling your missus ceo oh my god and they run back home yeah i think it's, it's the same like back in the old days you could have uh, much like ag said you would have needed a central hub you couldn't just in the old days you couldn't just become a millionaire like from your basement you would have had to develop yeah. all the other attributes along the way you know maybe you were trading goods or something like that you know to get a community yeah you would have still had to be in the community you would have still had to have a lot of social skills you would have had to have like you know be able to protect what you have so there would have been a lot more of that foundation getting built but now some guys just become millionaires from the basement but they're still the basement dweller they're just a the basement dweller with money and now they lean on their money completely because it's all they have that's what they and it's very difficult like i i saw jewel do a podcast with i think the three muslim three guys muslims, yeah. and he said in the higher circles money is the lowest form of value exactly and i'm a very firm believer of that because yeah. if you just have money it's not it's not everything you know where's your network where's your brotherhood like what can you do you can be a multimillionaire and still not even get access to the best places yeah you know just just money if money is all you have you're going to need a lot of money because that's what everyone's going to want you know if you're just happy to be content to be like an atm for friends for girls then that's really all that it's going to be you know and you can't be upset when women in turn around and be like women are gold diggers because if that's your only value Then yeah, I mean the they're game, showing you know? they they put in a billboard yeah. the rich guy with the this this and this. So you're going to attract those kind of people, obviously. And don't complain about the don't complain, oh they are just after for me for my money. Yeah, that's what you advertised, my yeah. friend. Right? And like he was saying the Richmond circle, it's about who you know, your mannerisms, how respect for you to the other people because in that table everybody kind of looks the same. We almost have the same watches and shoes and jackets. Mm. What's different? The cars are the same. unless you get a special bugatti yeah. it's it's the same thing and so it's just different levels right foundationally it's the same maybe someone's in this but maybe someone's in a helicopter but it doesn't really like change much right whether yeah. they fly private business first class 
even economy, everyone's heading to the same way. And what I found a lot of, like, you know, in Dubai, when I talk to the guys, talk to you guys, I find that a lot of guys who become successful, it's like a road and there are many routes to get there, yeah. but we all meet at the end. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, you know, maybe some guys, you know, get rich from a pump or something and they essentially just go straight line all the way there. Yeah. But we all will meet at the end and it's the values that you picked up along the way. So just because it's like, you know, crypto or something, it's like snakes and ladders and they took the first step and went straight to the end. Yeah. They yeah, reached that's, the that's end, good point, yes. but now like what's going on? Like, you know, it's guys are going to ask you a lot of hard questions you know, about, about who you are. And, but with money, you have access now. You can buy access to the best guys to teach you what you're missing. But I find a lot of the money guys, it's, they have an ego that they made money and they have an ego that, you know, I'm rich, I'm young crypto guy specifically you know yeah. i made it i'm smart they don't understand that a lot of it is like they made it in a product they landed at the right place at the right time a glitch in history you know crypto itself is kind of a glitch yeah and then some of these e-com and things like that they just landed at the right time like only fans same landed at the right time right market but in the future like it's just a lot of it was luck you know just being in the right place at the right time and taking that opportunity but yeah we all arrive at the end and it's the the substance that you built along the way so they can pay for access. They can pay to get like, you know, great advice on their diet, great advice and get all of that optimized and get in the gym. They now can buy the time. Mm, That's a mm, big thing. Yeah. You find that like you can buy time. Yeah. You buy freedom. You have freedom to be like, you know, I'm going to do this boxing classes. I'm going to do this. Sure. going to get the best trainers. Yeah. But a lot of guys won't do that because you have to humble yourself. Like walk in the gym the first time, boxing. You get you fucking worth five million dollars, but you get smacked around by a guy on eight dollars. You an asked hour. a question about ego recalibration. That's what happens. Ego recalibration. Even when you're broke or rich, you go to a boxing gym. You know nothing about fighting, and tell them I want to spar because I want to test myself. That's when you know what you're made of. They will beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and it doesn't matter, right? You get that moment where you're looking up and you're like, I'm not supposed to be. Here. Yeah, it's like an this ego was, death. Yeah, I've had many ego deaths in my in my lifetime. I've had many in prison and I also had one when I got out. But I find that much like Mike said, that's what structured me into the guy that I am today. True. You have the ego, gets crushed. You realize actually I'm not the person that I thought I was. And now I need to do more self-analysis and self-reflection. But I think that the ego death is very painful. So it takes like, you know, find all life in general almost. It's like a life of many chapters and the chapter ends when you realize like, oh, I'm not this person that I thought I was, or this person is not exactly who I want to be. Yeah. I need to grow into the next person. I think that life, it's like, you know, zero to 70, zero to 80, it depends how many years you get, some people get less. And then, you know, it's just a book of many chapters. You're always refining who you are and you have to close those chapters. You can't just go back. It's like dating, you have an ex, you have to close that book. I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't go back to exes. I think that that ended for a reason. The book closed, like that chapter ended. You have to move forward. I think yeah. life is to be lived forward, but only ever understood looking back on it. The ego death is like interesting because it, it's like a lot of it also happens when, like, you know, a lot of people ask you like, AG, how can I make a million dollars? Or how can I make a $10 million? And you have all these people commenting and, and all of these things. And they think that you could just give them the lesson to go out and make a million dollars. When frankly, the reason why you're able to go out and do that is maybe because you knew how to lose a million dollars first and had that initial ego death with, for example, money. And sometimes when you lose a bunch of money in a short amount of time, it teaches you things about yourself more so than making a bunch of money in a short amount of time yeah. does. So I'm curious, like, just because a lot of people here are, like, very financially successful in what they do, especially the ones that are aligned with their values, what was it like when you guys lost a bunch of money and how how were, how did those lessons kind of transform you 
and actually set you up for an even bigger windfall and success like later on after that initial ego death of say losing a lot of money in a short amount of time uh, i'd love to hear that from you first well i, I just want to be a student man because i'm like here in dubai i'm usually like in the woods with with my dogs and then like now i'm like around all being these guys vegan. being vegan for 30 still days a vegan, guys. now still i'm just vegan. like all right all right i'm literally just trying to see okay there's, there's people It's dead. Yeah. For the 45? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about losses. You guys jump in later. I've lost so much in so many ventures that I thought I'm good. I went ahead of the curves. My ego was running. Okay, I should be able to do this. I know this. I know that. The biggest lessons you learn is from the losses. And then there are two levels to losing, right? One, let's talk about financial losses. When you have pretty much nothing and you borrowed money and then you lost that money, it's far different from having a bit of money and losing it. It's two, two levels to this, right? If I lose a certain amount of money now, $100,000, $200,000, it's fine. I lost it. Make it back or whatever. If I was, if I was a young guy, 25, and I lost $100,000, that's far more stressful. The, the difference psychologically is that now, after all these experiences and trials and tribulations, I know that now I can make it back. You you kidnap me and put me in Uganda. As long as they can speak a little bit of English around there, I'm going to find a job. I'm going to survive, find a house, eat bananas and survive. Right? 25-year-old me, no. But now I truly, truly believe, take everything from me. I don't care. As long as my family is healthy, I'm healthy. I'm going to come back. Maybe I'll not make the same money. I don't even care. I truly believe that most people shouldn't be rich. That would be the worst thing that can happen to them. Lottery winners, getting a million dollars. Most people will be actually happy having a good family, having a good woman, healthy children, and making $10,000, $15,000. Most people are happier than that. But they go brainwashed thinking, I have to do this. And a bunch of people come around, sell them courses, be rich. And so it's it's all completely off base. And winning, lo- winning and losing at the, these two life points are very different. So that answers your question. I think for me with the loss, much like AJ, I think loss in general, I'll talk about one that I had. I was a crypto investor, obviously. I'd made so much money in 2017. I think I'd made maybe 15, 20 M, you know, at that point. But I remember the bear market started and already at that point, I already is comfortable with being rich at that point. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been out of jail that long. <laughs> I had a good life. I'd upgraded my living situation. So it was expensive. Now I'd, I'd got a new Porsche, got all this shit. And I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't buy all that stuff unless you can buy it multiple times. Yeah. I don't think anyone should put all their money in a Lambo or anyone should put all their money in a Porsche. Unless maybe if you're selling products and that gets you attention to essentially fund the products. That's but different, yeah. My issue, yeah. So I had the crypto bear market 2018, 2020. And we ran a fund at the time. And then we had the COVID drop as well. And I lost a lot of millions, like many, many, many millions. You know, to go into it would be, you know, pushing eight figures. And I remember thinking that, that was like, I remember thinking, I was still a multi-millionaire, but I had the aspirations of being like, I'm like an eight figure guy. And now I'd fallen down to like, you know, maybe the low seven figures. And I thought, you know, I'd split the atom. But then I also thought to a degree, like, was this it? You know, maybe I was a one trick pony. Like crypto was something that I'm a master in, but we had a fund. So I thought this is what my like area of expertise is. And now the market's crashed. Like, can I do it again? You know, if I move into another business, would I be able to be as successful? And crypto, it's obviously like everything on steroids. But then I use that negative emotion, you know, waking up to losing 100 grand a day on my portfolio. 
mm. again and again and again. Every day it's just down and, and you have the little bounces, but then it's down 20% the next day. So I had a lot of loss in that regard and I always had this sort of thing in my mind. So I understand firmly where people get like, it's almost like a imposter syndrome to a degree, like yep. when they just discover wealth, because I'm not from money. You know, my parents are normal. My dad still drives buses. My mom doesn't have, you know, a lot of money. She lives in a house of mine. Yeah. You know, so I'm not from money. You know, I'd never really known it. So I always thought in the back of my mind, I think the conditions that I picked up then was like fear around money and a massive amount of scarcity. You know, we never, never really had shit. So when that sort of hardship happened, I thought like, you know, am I going to be back to that sort of lifestyle? I still have millions, but I was conditioned to think now I needed eight figures. So I had pain point there. And to a degree, it, it taught me that I had to lean into learning business and things like that that matter, you know, like cash flow businesses, yeah. not so much leaning into just solely crypto. So it was a good eye opener. And obviously I've done many businesses since then and done well to diversify like outside of crypto. But yeah, I was feeling the pump, you know, feels a pump you lose like you know seven eight million on paper yes i mean the next market i made it all back but i had to hang in there you know it's crypto in general now like obviously the market's down i mean it's pumping today but you have to hang in it's like life right like you have to hang in there you have to keep trying the, the thing that i think determines if someone's going to be successful is how hard like can they go to sparring get bashed and then come back come the back next day or will they quit and be like i can't show my face there again or i can't come back and that's it's not for everyone you know, and the more you get, the more, like AG says, the more you have to lose now, it's hard to take that, like, ego hit. If you're a kid with nothing and you get battered in sparring or something like that, it's a bit easier to keep coming back because you haven't built, like, an identity for yourself yet, you know, but when you're wealthy, you're like, I'm this guy. And then to get battered, it, it kind of goes completely against, you know, the, the person that you're developing. But a guy who can do that, a guy who can take feedback and even criticism at times, and doesn't take it too personal as long as it's not like a personal attack that is criticizing a certain behavior. It's a good guy who I would say is heading very far in life. And I know that we've spoken about it too. It's yeah. in general, like the world today, it's very hard to get feedback. You know, I know in our circle, we give each other feedback and it's quite direct. You know, if we see something or some sort of behavior or something might be on the horizon, you know, we're comfortable to say, you know, might see certain girl and someone's just like you know be careful with this behavior or be careful with that we have a good read of of people and we're not shy to share it with each other and i think that is one of our greatest strengths and i think that's what makes a brotherhood you know if you have a friend and you can't tell them the truth if you can't tell them like you know something that's happening because you're like they'll get upset or the ego can't handle or something like that i don't think that they're like a good good friend because you should be able to share it as long as it's respectful you know maybe yeah. it's something very private so you share it one to one and you're like, you know, you need to be careful with this or maybe you've overlooked this because we're all busy, right? We're all focused on, on many, many things. But I think that's something that's missing in the West. It's very indirect. Obviously, I mean, Poland, Ukraine, it's very direct. You know, they, they have an issue with you. They'll tell you very fast. It's, but that, I like that. You know, it's, it's nice to – keeps you, like, calibrated. If no one's really giving you feedback, like, you're shooting. If you, you can't see the target until the yeah, end, yeah. it's going to be very difficult, right? Cool. Okay, so we, we told a few things. So the other day on Twitter, I saw there's a very famous OnlyFans girl. All she does is that she, she sells her fart videos and she makes tons of money. I don't know how much she makes. I scrolled through. I was like, what the fuck? So you were saying, we were saying it's about demand and supply. More people request and pay for this, the more this kind of de degenerate content will be there. So the p people to blame are men, not women. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, I'll, I'll talk briefly and I'll let Steve and, and Mike talk, but 
I, I don't. I think uh, the tendency, the the red pill tendency these days, is to out, it's, it's blame everything on women, right? Here we go. Yeah, yeah. blame everything. Blame everything. Oh, it's a woman's fault. Women's are this, and but it's like, I think it's like you said. Is it like you said earlier? And maybe it was before we, when we were talking. Like you can't. Ex- you said you can't expect a ten if you're a two out of ten, right? A ten yeah. out of ten if you're a yeah. two out of ten, right? So guys are like like to is a victim mentality. I think this is pervasive in the West. It's like every so always everyone else's fault, but I don't look in the mirror. And look at why it's my fault, right? And so ultimately, I think what it comes down to is uh, sense of entitlement and lack of responsibility. Our society is huge on lack of personal responsibility and looking in the mirror. Uh, and like we, we only have to look at all like the wokeism and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff that's so pervasive in our society. And all it encourages is victim mindset, victim mentality. It's the government's fault. It's Trump's fault. It's someone else's fault. But it's not my fault. In looking in the mirrors, right? So whether it's women or something else, I think it's the ultimately what it comes down to is this, I'm the agent of change in my life, and it's my lack of personal responsibility. And I don't like what I see in the mirror, and I need to change it, right? But people don't like to admit their own faults and admit that they. And this is probably what unites all of us in our own values, right? It's like okay, my life is my responsibility, yeah. and I need to do something about it. And so I don't think a lot of people are comfortable with that. And so they, they want to look at other people and, and blame other people for why their life is the way it is. It's scary, man. Person we were talking about in the earlier podcast. Knowing most people know what to do. They understand it. There's nothing we say here is new. We have our experiences stories along, but the basics, fundamentals of how to be a good man, how to be successful, all that is already known. People know this, but accepting the fact that okay, I'm shit at this in part of my life. I'm broke. I don't know this. I don't understand that. I'm not socially capable. I don't know how to talk to women. Accepting that makes a lot of people depressed. So they go the other way. They start drinking and doing drugs and whatever, whatever. Nobody steps in. You know what? Maybe I'm shit at this, but I know this guy was better. Let me go learn. No one wants to do that transformation. They will stick to the same place, pay the OnlyFans girls for five videos, and then say, all girls are hoes. Thanks to the red pill nerds, though. A lot of them are there who, who propagate a stereotype that a high-value man, high-value. I'm sick and tired of hearing this word high-value man. What does that even mean? They don't need, they, the people who propagate this idea, I'm high-value man, I'll have six girls, they have to listen to what I say, all this <laughs> shit. You got to be at the extreme high level 1-1% to women to even respect you. You need to be someone for the women to sub, be submissive to you. It's not that you 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 have a car, you do this, you look good, so they have to listen to you. There are levels to this game. And now everybody thinks that they, they are all 1% men, high-value men. They listen to all these podcasts, do this, do this. It's a complete cycle of massive uselessness going around. What are your thoughts? I think much the same, AJ. I think we share a lot of the same distaste for the red pill in general. Yeah. I think red pill to me is truth. Red pill to me is absolute truth. It's not truth see a lot of the feminists and things like that they'll be like this is my truth and a lot yeah. of these red pill nerds do the same thing but yeah. they're just telling you their truth you know women are, are this and that but women with guys like us uh, can be very pleasant you know yeah. it comes down to your frame you know you have to have boundaries you have to have things you won't when your best your best tool for women is to withdraw attention and also use your feet just walk away go on to the next one have have options exactly. you know, be the guy that it's like a foundational anything like you said in the last Last time we were live, you said that I have a foundational skill where even if I went to Kenya or something like that, yeah. I would become, you know, a somebody there. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's not because you have foundational value. You have skills that you can monetize. The guys in the red pill, they'll say this is the truth, but then they'll go into a diatribe of something that they had where they had no frame. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, this woman did this or this woman did that. And I find a lot of it's very reliant on 
yeah, sort of fantasy stuff, you know, fuckboy behavior. And, and yeah. if you're, you know, they, it caters to the absolute extreme elite guy, you know, that this dork can have six wives, like six women, that, and he just lies to every single one. <laughs> and she's going to put up with that. Like yeah, that exactly. would, that, those sort of things just don't really exist. And a lot of these dorks don't really have anything yeah. like that I've seen. I've never really seen any of them show like receipts or anything that, that has anything that I would ever want. Yeah. And it's a lot of, I have a daughter and I would never want to have my daughter watch that sort of crap and think that, you know, that she's worthless because a lot of that stuff, it doesn't really like cater. You know, if, if her dad is some red pool guy and he's like, you know, women deserve this, they don't deserve shit, they deserve nothing. Like they just exist to be submissive to every idiot. You know, that's, I would never want that. And I have a daughter and if she told me, you know, that she existed to just be submissive to the first idiot she ever met, I would be like, that's fucking unacceptable. You know, that's not who you are. That's, that's not what What type want. of frame is that to have a, like a, a positive, healthy relationship anyway, if you have that kind of mindset? You ain't ever going to get a healthy I agree. It's very blackpilled and it's, it only comes from like rejection. You know, it, to get blackpilled, I don't get angry at money because I have a lot of it. You know, if I have a lot of success in business, so I don't run around and tell people how bad business is. If mm. I want to learn about business, I don't go to the guy who went bankrupt yeah. 10 times and have yeah. him tell me about business. I go to the guy who's had like a spiral of success and then I'll be like, you know, tell me what you think about business and he'll tell you everything he loves about it. Yeah. Like I don't go to learn about women from guys that are angry at women because they're only angry because they have a lack of results. You know, it's like a professional basketball player doesn't get angry at the game. Like the rules are set. With women, they're very set. It's like it. A vetting machine you walk up you, you have to play by the rules to get something out of it right like yeah. there's no fucking like you can't just walk up and you know you push your buttons but don't put money you have to do all the the right process and women are very set and if you don't understand their software you're going to struggle because they're very fixed guys think that often think that they're like men and they're not yeah you know in the west they can be but guys, like a lot of guys want women to be, you know, responsible for a lot of things. Like maybe she has a boss outside of like she works for another guy and all this sort of stuff. And then they expect like submission when she gets home. But you can't stack a woman up with a ton of responsibility and then accept submission because that's just not really how they work. You she know, has if you want, Yeah, if you want to push her up with all this masculine responsibility, like you, then you can't turn around and be like, yeah, I want you to be submissive today or I want you to listen to me or that. It doesn't work like that. And guys confuse sexual submission with actual submission. You know, what a woman does when she's turned on or like in the bedroom, you can role play, is completely different to what she's going to do when she's outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Right? Like it can be a sexual thing and then it can be a, like any idiot can tell the woman what to do in bed. But to actually have like, you know, where she listens to you and respects you and values you outside of that sexual frame, yep. it's very difficult. Like it's the hardest thing that I find with men, and it doesn't matter if it's a man with $2, doesn't matter if it's a man with $10 million, is their frame is bad with women. Because it's easy to do shit in the short term. Like it's easy to make 10K one month. It's easy to like have, have some success with women where maybe you fuck her or tell her a hundred lies and, and get her in bed and all this sort of stuff. But it's very hard to maintain that because they test. It's within their, it's, they test to see that they're still with someone who's strong or yep. they test to see, you know, if the mask's going to fall off. Cause it's easy to bullshit someone the first time you meet them. But if you move in with them, if you have them around you more, that's when the guy's mask starts to slip off and yep. he loses control. Cause it's, it's in their nature. They test and guys can handle the first, the second, but then eventually they start making like allowances for certain behavior that they shouldn't. And then it spirals. It never starts that a girl's just, with you and then she's sucking another dick like it doesn't just happen overnight right it's a series of process that the guy has lost control and control doesn't necessarily mean you know that you're controlling it by force 
or like, you know, hurting her in any way. It just means like, you it's know- It's a silent the, agreement. Yeah, so, you have yeah. your set rules. Yeah. And that means as a man, you do what you hold your end of the bargain. It's not about fucking like, you know, being expecting all this thing from a woman, but then providing nothing and no mm. value. You know, you have to be the provider protector, the educator in a lot of ways, like yeah. women in general, I find that they're not as exposed to big ideas as guys like us would be. Their network, especially if they're younger, yeah, it's going to be smaller. And I think with the guys as well, a lot of these guys are socially odd and they don't really have a network. Women value a guy. I've said this to Mike recently. Women will see a man that her man, and maybe she goes to dinner with him. Maybe she meets his friends, and she values this man based on how other men treat him. Exactly. If he's respected in this group, she'll be like, "This is a respectable man." But if yeah. she go, his man goes to the toilet or. She like walks out and then some guy starts talking to her. He's like, oh, you look really good in that dress or something like that. Like her, she starts to think like her man is not respected because yeah. they view, I think women in general, that respect is like, you know, it's started in the man's circle and she just, because women are very perceptive to status and, and yeah. like, you know, am I with someone who's respectful? Because they would have had to be. That, Like a lot of the guys say, they don't, can't fight. So it's, they're very perceptive, like, you know, emotionally and things like that. Yeah, I think uh, the problem with, you know, just the entire red pill space is, I remember when I first, like, like I got my heart broken in college and I was like, okay, I need to go ahead and fix this. And, and obviously when you go ahead and have a specific pain point, you go ahead and try to find the truth, right? Yeah. The only problem is it's kind of like all recently where all these people were just kind of sharing what it is that they were experiencing and learning with their relationships. And it was like, I think 2015 or 16, I think I made a good amount of money in a short amount of time. And the only option that you could actually learn to have a relationship with like these guys that would be in Vegas and they would just teach you to find a good relationship by just going out to the clubs every single night, every single day. It just doesn't make sense because you, you cannot find like a good relationship in Hakkasan, in Omnia, in Las Vegas <laughs> at 4 a.m. Like it just really no it, lo- it just Las Vegas. Work. No, but, no well, but, but think about it. That, that's like <laughs> that is like the only option. Like. Back what, in the day, How about right? Dubai clubs? No. There are that's fairies the and angels. Even yeah. That's where you find the wives. <laughs> that's where you go. But, but you literally go to these places and like back in the day, just even a couple of years ago, because, you know, when, like it all started kind of like with the book with the game and then all these weirdos started taking their hats and their goggles into the clubs, uh, trying to go ahead and pick up girls. And it's like slowly evolving, trying to go ahead and find the answer on how to actually create that long-term dynamic with a woman, not just something that you would sleep with and not actually build like this fulfilling long-term thing with. And it's actually crazy to see how it's all evolved from like being weirdos to like doing magic tricks in, in the middle of the club to then slowly working on it. And then it got to the point where it was like almost deep anger towards women, yeah. where it was essentially like, oh, it's it's their fault. And, and a lot of the authors are really good at this because it creates this us against them dynamic yeah. saying like, yeah. oh, it's it's not our fault. It's the woman's fault. And, and it's crazy because it's now moving into, like, it seems like the main topic now, it's actually the main problem isn't now the woman. It's I've accepted that I'm not a victim, but it's understanding these frame things, right? And it's actually very interesting coming here to Dubai and, and sharing this with, with some of the people that I've been talking to that were naturally, you know, from like an Islamic faith. Yeah, because I would go different. up to them and I'd be like, hey, yeah, so it's like we're learning all these things about frames and dynamics and in business. And I'm talking to some of these guys that have been practicing Islam for their entire life. And they're like, actually, this is just in our religion. This is just automatic. And like it's literally just started blowing my mind on how, you know, you have all these like red pill guys. Like, Let me go ahead and understand frames and all of these things. And then you literally have some guy who has just been practicing religion his entire life. 
And in that, he was like, actually, the frames come normal. Like, it's I the same in Eastern Europe and place. Any yeah. place that's conservative is exactly the same. Yeah. Right. But it's crazy because it's like we're trying to learn all these things about frames. All these people are looking at, oh, how can I go ahead and get a girl to like me? But then, you know, because in the past religion wasn't sexy because like it, it was conservative because everyone was doing they wanted to go ahead and be more liberal. But now it's very interesting to see kind of like where we're in right now where now everyone's going liberal. And now to be the cool kid, you're actually conservative. You know, yeah. you're actually instead of sleeping with as many women as possible, you're like, oh, actually, the, the high value thing is have a really really good girl like uh like a it's girl priceless very very rare nowadays it's a big asset the, th the thing with the red pill community in general is the information shared the people who share the information most of them are low quality men themselves and the women they're talking about are also low quality in that dynamic right it's a, it's a, there's a difference between go to a high-end bar and a low-end bar the way things are done are completely different. See, but you cannot sit at the low end bar and say, in the high end bar, this is how it works. This is how the food looks like. There is no comparison at that point. And the world population, young men especially, watch this stuff and say, okay, you know what? All girls are hoes. They all do OnlyFans. They are entitled. That's just a tiny population in Miami or some part of the US. You think in Eastern Europe and Middle East, everyone thinks like that. No, it's a completely different world. I've had a lot of you know, women tell me that if they see certain red pill tendencies in men, they're completely repulsed by the whole idea because they already come into the frame. I'm a good woman. I don't go to clubs. I have these values. Don't come to me with this nonsense. They won't even talk to you. It doesn't matter how much money you have. I agree completely. It's low value. It's like anything too. It's if a woman, it's like I could have a, a book on dating, a book on frame, a yeah. book on picking up women, a book on just anything like that. Women expect you to know. So the guy who runs around sharing a bunch of red pill content, he's just muted 99% of the women, even if they were good women Yeah. because it's extreme. It's like if your political views are too extreme on one side, like you're, you're an extremist, it doesn't really matter what side you're anymore. It's now... Like you've gone too far. Yeah. So, and women in general, they expect guys to know this naturally. So, if a woman walks in your house or walks in your room and picks up a book and goes, "Oh, this is a book on how to how to date or how to get a date," her interest is dropped because yeah. she just assumes that the man needs to know this. If it was a competent man, he would have learned this again, exactly. like the crypto story. It's like the guy who's zero. To, he's gone down the path. He's stepped on the first tile, got to the end of the ladder, climbed all the way to the top. Yeah. And a woman would expect if this guy's successful, if this guy's you know competent. He's learned these things along the way. He's learned from failures, but he's found success. So once she realizes, you know, he's actually learning game or he's learning this sort of crap, she thinks now that like this is not congruent. Yeah. Like he's he has tried to better himself, but he didn't pick it up along the way. The woman wants the natural because she wants to obviously at some point push those genetics forward. Yeah. And she doesn't want to push the genetics forward of someone who's doesn't get it, right? You need to get it. You can learn, but you learn in private. You don't run around it. Uh, guys who sort of parrot that sort of information, the extremist red pill stuff, or they're sharing the content, they're really doing themselves a disservice. And I think in the future, with how things are going, it will hurt them big time in it the will. future. It opens them up to a lot of attack vectors and it also it closes a lot of doors. Yeah. You, a woman can be conservative. Like you said, she can be conservative, religious, she can have all these values. And then you post something like a red pill guy screaming at a woman. Or like, you know, talking badly or making her look dumb or, or over talking or just being disrespectful. And she'll just be like, just guys don't understand that submissive does not mean doormat. Like they're yeah. very different. Mm. Just because a person will submit to you, they won't, that doesn't mean that you can treat them like garbage, right? It doesn't mean that they're worthless. So guys in general don't really understand that. You know, it has to, 
it's like anything. If it's not pleasant to do something, like people are going to do it less and less. You have to make the progression natural. You've got to be a leader who's worth following as well. Exactly. And there's, I don't think in the red pill space, from what I've seen, that there are really too many leaders worth following. I'll, although I have met a couple of them over the weekend here, and I'll say that I think that they have some substance, but still some things to learn. But frame is the biggest thing. Guys that... Might be able to talk, you know, they have the chops, they can repeat a lot of lines. They talk about like ever evolutionary psychology from fucking like, you know, as though the world hasn't changed since we were chimps. Like, you know, now <laughs> like we have the same options and the same life that we had back then. Or, or even if you don't believe that, but you know, nothing's changed in thousands of years. It's just, I think that a lot of the, that stuff is very like hypothetical. You know, it's, it's this guy has the perfect relationship or this guy's doing it. I'm, don't look to me. I'm not doing it, but this guy's doing it. Trust me. You know what? I need to see it. I need to see the guy who's doing it. And then I'll yeah. look and be like, all right, here's the figurehead. He's got his shit together. This is not a failed ideology now because there's someone who's doing it. But a lot of them are like, don't look at me. I'm not the guy to follow, but let me tell you all about my, like, you know, what I know. There's no one that I would, you know, trade places with in the red pill with dating. There's just no one. I, I can't think of one. To, to me also, the other thing is, we discussed this a couple of times, I don't really understand, maybe I'm older, I've lived a life now, the obsession of finding women all the time, having constant sexual relationships and dating, dating. I don't, I don't see that as a valuable way to use your energy. There are so many other things you can do when you're young. You go learn fighting, go try to make money, build a network. That's more valuable long-term than just finding the hottest girl in a club and bar and going on multiple dates. I don't think it's a good value of time. Right now, to me, sex is like grocery shopping. It's as boring as grocery shopping. It's simple. Right now, value other things. Maybe also the other thing is like you were saying, to to truly be that man, you have to go through some problems and understand yourself much more better. And it's not an act. You don't do an act of pretending to be nice and being this guy and you know, smoking a cigar. Pretending Wait two hours away. before I text her back. Uh, like, oh. All that is bullshit. It's just you who you are. And if she doesn't like it, you just walk away. Either there's somebody else you're going on a date with or it doesn't even matter. It's not in your hemisphere, in your brain, like, okay, I have to have this now. I have to go out. I have to find this girl. That whole ideology, that mentality is what's wrong. That's why you end up, these people end up going to OnlyFans and paying all these women tens of thousands of dollars and imaginary relationships. Yes, there's a subset of society who are truly broken, men who are truly alone and broken. But even so, un unless they are unhealthy or they have they live in the first world, they have no reasons to complain. They can do so many other things with their lives. It's a misuse of their energy, and then it becomes it becomes a regret and a poison in their brains, and then they go after the red pill, black pill, MGTOW, I don't know what all the names are, and they're attacking women. And then women see this, and they obviously they're opportunistic, and they say, okay, let me start an OnlyFans page and fart on it, and people pay me $10,000. I don't blame them. Well, it's, it's like a wider problem in society, isn't it? Because men don't really have any rites of passage anymore. Exactly. In the West especially. Uh, men don't really have a place in society. So because of the advent of feminism and women come into the workforce and stuff like that, and women are more independent now. They don't need a man necessarily. So men have kind of lost their role as protectors, providers. Because if you can get that from the government and you get that from someone else, why would you need a man to do it, right? And so men have kind of like, the men before had a very clearly defined role in society. Women had a very clearly defined role. And nowadays men are a little bit lost. So if you don't have direction from someone around you who has his shit together, right, you ain't got no direction in life, bro. Like you don't know what you're gonna do with your life. So if you're not surrounded by positive men who are doing things in their lives, you know, men like yourselves, 
then it's very hard to kind of like, if you, if you don't have that from your own father, it's, what do I do with my life? I, I'm not, there's not a clearly defined path and societies, like I, I did research on this in the past. So we had like the Vikings from to the Aztecs to the Romans, the Greeks, they all had rites of passage for men to go into um, uh, manhood, right? Mm. And so from adolescent years, like even in the Jewish traditions, right? They have like, I think it's bar mitzvah, where it's like you become a man, you're, yeah. you're actually a yeah. man now. And so we don't have that in the West. So essentially what happens is that men stay adolescents all their life, right? And there's no, there's, there's no, you might look like a man, but you're mature, you're not emotionally, mentally, true. you're not, you're not a man, right? And so I think a lot of the problems stem from that. Personally. Yeah, for the, for the boy to become a man, he needs to separate himself from his parents, right? Because our moms and our dads want us to kind of like keep us in this like type identity of like, oh, this is my baby, right? And if you look at some just tribes, right? What would they do at age eight to 12? The, the men that weren't the dad would go ahead and kidnap the son from like his parents. And the mom would be in the charade too. She'd be like, oh no, my baby. And it would be a very traumatic experience for this eight to 12 year old being pulled away from like the uncles of the tribe. And essentially what that was, was to take away the influence of the mom and the dad of this like little kid. And that way the little kid eight to 12 could go ahead and see all these other men that weren't related to the dad and the qualities that he wanted to embody in each one of those men's in himself. And then at that point, this like eight to 12 year old killed could essentially build the man that he wanted without being in the shadow of his dad or being very, very tied up to his mom. And you'd actually see it because when the boy would come back from like that weekend with the tribe of the yeah. elders, he's, he's changed. He, he's changed. Like the mom would go ahead and hug her boy and the boy, it, like she knows deep down that's no longer her boy. Right. And, mm. and you could see just how behaviors happen of like teenagers and guys that go through the 12, 13, 14 without actually having that, being pulled away from the parents. The guys will, will start being lazy, they'll start smelling bad, they'll start being more repulsive, just because they didn't have that separation from the mom and dad. And then you see, the reason why most men are weak is because they've never actually had that, and then now they have all these like mommy and daddy issues, right? They they they're, they have this thirst, they're, they're going ahead and chasing women validation because they they didn't get it like when they were younger, right? Or, or, or father, or they, like we have like a friend who, He'll, he'll chase male validation just because maybe he didn't have that. And it's because when you don't have that that hard trauma, that, that crafted trauma at 8 to 12, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're made out of. So you're literally looking at other men and other women to kind of see who it is, who you are. And I think the worst thing that could happen is when you have a lot of money and you don't need, know how to deal with just seeking approval with yourself and instead you're chasing validation from other people. I think that could be like the big attack factor to ruin you. That's true. You know, if you have all this money and you're seeking validation from other men, there's a fast way to lose all your money. Yeah. Or if you make a lot of money and you're seeking validation from a bunch of women, there's a fast way to lose like half your net worth because now you're chasing for all this validation from outside because you were never actually given the validation yourself by going through some tra traumatic experience separate from your mom and dad yeah. and looking at a tribe of men to kind of hold you accountable to what you actually want and then building like your identity in a way that's not in the shadow of like your mom and dad. I agree much. That's a great point. I think a lot of men in the West too, they turn into almost like a son husband with their mother. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's definitely a Western thing. It's not really such a thing in Eastern Europe from what I've seen where often, I don't know, divorce rates quite high in the West. So the mum will, something will happen with the dad, you know, the dad ends up out of the house because with the way that the monetary system is today, you know, the dad has to work very hard just to keep everything going together. So often yeah. the son is, mostly around the mother and a lot of the stuff that people do now it's more inside you know games all that sort of crap so 
yeah, they end up son, uh, son husbands with their mother. You know, the mother tries to sort of push them in the direction of what she thinks she would want. And obviously that pushes them into being pretty much beta males yeah. or like providers. And often they get really distorted on how women truly are, like what they truly value. So they just get pushed into the direction of being, you know, like a yes man. And then often they're a yes man fundamentally, like their frame is very weak, but then they'll overcompensate and then act like they're not. And, and the women know that. So when they get tested, they fall apart. I think that's a, a very it's big true. thing. I think frame is just, it's everything with, with a relationship, with anything. It's with friendship. I think men would get so much further in life if they focused on their brothers and building things with brothers. And then the best times that I've ever gotten women, like the best times I've ever gotten women when I was younger, I was always, I was in the army. I had always had great, great groups of guys around me. So the women look in. And they're like, right, this guy's You're never even looking for yeah, it when exactly. you get that. When you have exactly the best nights, right? You're your yeah. best nights at the club. You go out or places like that. And you're just having a laugh with your friends. And then all of a sudden, there's some girls at the table just show up, you know, yeah. saw you having fun, saw you as someone who's like goes out to have fun. Yep. Doesn't go out to hit on every single girl that's out. You know, in general, I find like if you go to the club or that, you kind of bring your own girls. You don't really run around the club because you're generally there with your friends and mm. they're, they're there to have their fun. But yeah, it's much the same. I think that, it's just, yeah, guys in general, the frame. I know that I'll just beat it to the end of the earth because I've just seen it so many times. I would say that I myself am a master of being able to pick guys away from like who they really are, like other than what they present to the world, being able to see beyond the exterior because a lot of guys, the frame falls apart because they just don't have the results that really match who they are portraying. There's no foundation. Yeah, the foundation's falling apart. So then women can sense that. And then when they're tested, they don't have anything to fall back on. Like you said, when you have a frame, it, you it's not valid. Like your validation is within. Yeah. You know, you're like, I'm bettering myself boxing. I'm bettering myself in the gym. I'm increasing my fitness. I'm increasing my money. I'm increasing my like boundaries with people, being able to speak up when I want to, being able to lead. If you can do all of those things, you know, validation from a woman, yeah, yeah. it just comes, right? Well, I'm, I'm, now I'm curious with, with what you guys said. Uh, a lot of the things that make us who we are is what happened and our interpretations of it when we were ages 8 to 12, right? Like some type of trauma that we kind of internalized and, and took it in and we can either channel it and turn it into a victim or channel it in the positive way and actually make something of ourselves. And what I'm curious about with like just everyone here is what was kind of like that thing uh, between you guys where you, you saw maybe mom and dad fighting about money, maybe it was uh, a certain relationship dynamic between mom and dad that you didn't like that you're like, okay, I want something different and then you internalize it and embodied it, made it your own, and then created a reality that was completely different than, like, for example, the trauma you experienced from, like, those ages? It's a good question. The thing is, two people can come from the same situation, traumatic situation, and end up being in two different places. So I think as grown men, and to me, a grown man is anybody about 14, 15 at least, and then once you're in the late 20s, you're pretty much a grown man in every way. You should disconnect with this whole idea that you you belong to a certain place, even your mother and family, your mother and father, your family, and so on. You got to disconnect and make yourself rewire yourself in different ways. I've been through some traumatic situations in my life and whatever. There were some points in my life when I was young I was holding on to it, but it's it's a pointless thing. I don't want to recreate myself from a point of trauma. I rather disconnect mentally, and I don't know how to. I don't know how to do that. It's a skill I have. I can disconnect from certain situations and rebuild myself. So all of my life is exactly that. I'm constantly rebuilding, tweaking, doing different things. This podcast is one of the things I'm doing. So starting from a point of trauma, which is already negative, and trying to build back, that's a wrong foundation. 
there's a lot to say about personal responsibility and the power of intention itself. Like if you have the right intention, like he was saying, if you're trying to build certain things in your life, the other byproducts of that will come along. So if you want, if you say, okay, I had a shit life, I've been through all this trauma, I've been, my heart's broken and whatever, whatever. At some point you've got to step up and take responsibility. It's over now, but that's one phase of my life that I'm not going to think about much. I'll take whatever valuable lessons I have now I'm going to go rebuild myself. The problem with most people are that one, they're not self-aware. They're not understanding who they are and what they are all about. That takes a lot of self-reflection. It could be meditation. It could be going to a boxing gym. It could be going through problems and so on. And then knowing who to talk to because they will go online and say how to pick up beautiful girls. <laughs> they get to this podcast. Fast and easy. Fast and easy. With go no to this experience. podcast and there are a bunch of people screaming, low-quality people saying, this uh, girls are hoes, guys are this. And then the whole thing is misdirected and they end up doing that life and the three years later, there was shit, that was all wrong. I ended up doing this. So it's, it's the world is confused. The whole world is under mass hypnosis. There's wrong directions everywhere. People are basic, people don't have foundations or center place to start from. And this whole thing is a mess. So that's primarily because there are, there's a whole world out there that they, there's a place out there that they cannot go to ask for directions. That's, that's my what was what was one of those traumatic experiences that happened? And then, can you just like walk us through how you how you were able to detach from that? Because someone like someone here wants to go out and make millions of dollars. It's probably because they're running away from some type of traumatic experience, but they don't know how to detach and actually create something for yourself. So, like, just how how were you able to go out and do that and create? Uh, good question. It's it's hard to answer. Stephen probably has a different method. I just think through it ten thousand times ask myself the question, why did it happen? Why did it happen? You know, the, but that takes you to the lowest point. It's It's got to get out of your system. Okay, this happened. My mom and dad had a violent relationship, for example, than they, they did have. And then you got to think through that 10,000 times, like, why did that happen? What did that happen? Is it because of me? Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Keep asking yourself questions. At some point, you're going to get to a juncture. Maybe it was because of this. Maybe I'm responsible. But then you got to take an angle saying, you know what? I'm not responsible for it. This happened. It's okay. It's in my past. I got to move on. You got to dissolve the whole trauma, the issue that you had. It's easier said than done. But what's the point of holding on to it anyway? You got to let it go. I don't. I don't have a system for it. I just think through it ten thousand times, try to figure it out, talk to somebody close to me, and then it moves me forward. And how are you able to do it? Because you were telling me your situation with your your mom and your dad. It was like pretty interesting to see how you came up and how you took that and internalized it and yeah. moved in the right way. When I was young, my dad was very sick. He had a bad heart condition for mm. most of my life. He was waiting for a heart transplant, then got put on experimental medication and then it improved, but it took many, many, many years. So yeah. I never really had the role model of the guy who was out doing shit. Like he was mostly on the couch, very sick. You know, So I, I sort of had to learn myself. But me, it's... To bring it back to the first thing, you know, the trauma response and where it generally leads you, I would say that for me, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Uh, we didn't have money at a time. We'd go to the casino sometimes as a family. Like it's generally gambling is a part of my genetic strain, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> and then we'd, yeah, I'd go to the casino at 12 years old. Back then you could walk through the casino, you know, like Crown <laughs> Casino in the city in Melbourne. You could walk through and it was amazing. You know, like I'd have gone from the house where we don't really have much to going to a casino and seeing like legitimate gangsters, ballers, guys who have a lot of shit, you know, nice cars out the front, limos, mm. BMWs back then, you know, I would think like that's the, I could never ever get that. And then being around that sort of environment, I would at a later stage end up 
addicted to gambling. I think that it's just much like AG says, you know, you can find many reasons. I think trauma, it's either a slingshot and it's going to push you into a good direction that you want or it's a noose and it's an excuse to be like a rap. You know, it's, it's not really... I think, much like I said before, dwelling on the past, I think it's very negative. Yeah, I don't sit there and, you know, think about things that happened even a month ago because that le- that's over. It's just a lesson. You know, I have the ability to... I think I don't wipe the memory from my mind, but I understand that I myself am flawed. You know, I'm not perfect. So if something happens even months ago where I maybe make do something wrong or something happens, you go to boxing, you have a bad day, you get smacked around. It's it's people like a lot of people watching. It can be a bit embarrassing, but I don't take it, you know, to heart. I'm learning. Like I'm a a constant project. So I'm much like AG. I'm very. I take the lesson and then I move forward. It's like the chapters. I have this set in my head that my thing is a constant book. I have my mind organized like that after sitting in jail for years and thinking about this. My mind is a book and every time something massive happens, like, you know, maybe it's a massive loss, trauma, all that sort of stuff, I close that chapter and then I move on to the next page and that's in the past. What's in the past cannot can be thought about but it can't be turned back, like that chapter's done. You can't just sit there because it's very negative. You know, to sit there and think like about an ex, about a bad breakup, about a bad traumatic event, you get stuck in that moment and it really sabotages your future. So it's with conditioning that you can close the past because a lot of people have sat in a veterans hospitals and they're 14 months. So I sat with a lot of guys that were stuck in the past. They just want to be the guy that still had their wife around and like still had the kids that, that respected them and all that sort of stuff. But now they've had, you know, bad histories of the war or something like that. And it's hard for them to... Like they're stuck in that moment in the past, but they don't understand life is fluid. Like they aren't the same person that they were then and they never will be. And that's fine. You know, that's just, everyone's changing all the time and you have to change. That's what life is. That's very true. The other way to look at it, I just realized is that, let's say you have certain problems in your life has impacted you one way or the other. The second you have other problems, bigger problems, you're gonna kind of push it back because now the survival changes. Okay, for example, you've lost all your money. Okay, you're completely dead broke. You got to pay people three million dollars. For example, people are after you. But then next week you went to a doctor and said you got cancer. What are you going to worry about? The money? Fuck the money. I want to live. Now I have a new problem to deal with. So it's also the advent of new issues coming in, multiple issues coming in, and the other issues coming in. So there are multiple ways to deal with it. There's no one way. Traumas have levels to it. I mean, childhood problems with parents could be. Far different from a kid who's growing up in Syria, where all of the family was bombed. There are levels to it. We cannot, we cannot find a solution. What everyone deals with is different as well, right? Your yeah. your experience is not the same as mine, and how I perceive it might be very different to how you would perceive it, depending on my upbringing, my character. I think that <clears throat> trauma is becoming uh, a topic which people are becoming increasingly aware of, and for a good reason. But I also think that this whole thing about like typical Bali thing, right? Healing and trauma and stuff as well. It's like kind of some people also pay lip service to it yeah. and they don't do it in a, it's not in a real meaningful way. I'm, I'm healing myself. I'm like, well, what actual work are you doing on yourself? And what, how are you trying to really understand yourself? And especially as men, I think that men struggle a lot with uh, trauma because trauma, if to recognize and understand your own personal trauma requires you to take a look at yourself introspectively and understand yourself. And, and also I think that not give yourself a hard time about it, right? Mm. So I think a lot of men, they, they struggle with this dick to me of like, I've got this issue, but I don't want to look at it and I feel like I'm bad about it. <laughs> so it never gets solved. So it's like a vicious circle, right? 
And I'll tell you a little backstory, a quick story about me and how I like kind of, let's say, process some of the stuff that I dealt with as a child. It's like one day I was uh, working in investment banking and I was uh, sat in the office and it was like 8 a.m. before the markets opened. And how old were you? Say again, 25 years old, okay. Okay. Uh, 25, 26. And then the, the markets just were just about to open, but suddenly I started to feel like really dizzy, lightheaded. And I felt like really spaced out. I felt like I wasn't in the room, really. I felt like my body's there, but I'm not really there. Mm. And it's, I was like, well, I blinked a few times. I was like, well, what the fuck is happening to me? And then uh, I started to like uh, spin even more and get more dizzy. And I st my heart was pumping in my chest. I started breathing heavily. And I was like, what the fuck? And I felt like I was going to pass out. And my colleagues looked at me and I was like, white as a sheet, apparently. And I thought I was literally going to pass out and have a heart attack. And I was like, what the hell is happening to me? And I was like breathing even heavier. And then I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to pass out now. I'm done. <laughs> Bye. Adios. I was like, okay, this is me. I'm done. <laughs> 26 years old. And then uh, my colleagues got, and I stayed kind of uh, coherent. My colleagues called an ambulance and they did like an ECG on me. I felt like super embarrassed because these paramedics came to the bank. And I was like, at the desk, this respectable place. And they came, these paramedics came and took me away and they did a heart scan on me and everything turned out to be fine. And then afterwards, what it turned out was that I had a panic attack, like a major panic attack. First time I'd had one in my life, wow. but I didn't know how to deal with it because all these, I think what happened is all these, uh, all the stress and all the emotion all that I was dealing with and plus living a hard charging lifestyle where I took, sometimes took rec recreational drugs, uh, drank a lot of alcohol, didn't sleep enough, uh, super, super stressed. And then in addition to all the emotions that I never looked at because I didn't know how, and just repressed and suppressed them with alcohol and substances. Mm. And they all came to a head and I had this major panic attack and I didn't know how to deal with it because I was just like, <laughs> and then, and then I, I went to, after that, I went, I had lots of, I, went, I had a few sessions because I, I was like, what the hell? I don't want this to happen again. <laughs> I was like super embarrassed. And I was young, I was a bit immature and a bit naive. And I went to a psychotherapist and uh, what I realized was that I was giving myself, I was like, one, I didn't understand these thoughts that were, that were causing me to have these trigger reactions. And two, I was giving myself such a hard time about the smallest things. I was my own worst critic. And what it taught me was that in this, like these therapy sessions was that like, I should just be a bit, uh, kinder to myself and realize that while we've talked about lots of things on this podcast today about like how we can improve and stuff like that, we're all still figuring it out at the end of the day. We're always like, no one's got the human experience manual, right? We're also here figuring things out. So I think that if you were just to give yourself, in my experience as a man, especially like if you're trying to learn all this stuff and develop as a human being, if you give yourself like a bit more grace and uh, like you're on your own team, it sounds like kind of trite and about a bit cliche, but how many people really do it? And they give yourself a bit more grace to learn and grow. It's the process is a lot easier. It's not as painful and as difficult. I think a lot of people have, um, they attach a lot. One of my mentors told me that success is, you don't have to suffer to be successful. Mm. And a lot of people that's brilliant. Mm, that's brilliant. attach that's pain. They, they, they thrive on the pain and the suffering and the hustle and the growth. Right? Don't get me wrong, trauma and pain and suffering are sometimes prerequisites. And, and sometimes, you know, to get to the way you want to go, sometimes you're going to have to be challenged a little bit, right? But you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be miserable all the time to experience it. And I realized that actually my life could be a lot better if I just, if I'm not wearing worse critic and put myself down and being hard on myself all the time. And I think a lot of men, this is this kind of like double-edged sword where it's like, I'm a man, I'm masculine, I, you know, I don't show any emotion, but at the same time, I'm really fucking hard on myself and I'm miserable, right? So I think that part of processing your own trauma and your own pain is actually not being so hard on yourself for having it recognizing it's okay i'm human i'm exp i've experienced some things in life and i work I can make on mistakes i can make mistakes and that's okay you know i don't have to understand everything i might I'm, i might have a my, i don't maybe i don't enjoy my life right now but i'm doing the best i can with what i know right and i i think that sometimes that's overlooked and people don't give themselves enough of enough of that what one thing that just like hit me when you said that it was like a huge flash is so, so we essentially like do this for ourselves right and we're able to go ahead and process this and then understand it and then go after it because after 
that, you know, we have a goal. And then the thing that prevents us from getting to that goal is like emotions, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and learning to modulate those emotions to actually get what it is that you want. You have to go out and be able to understand what, what, what are you being programmed with, with your mom and your dad and what habits have you learned from them that have given you the bad things. And, and when you said that, bro, it's like, I thought about that, doing it to ourselves, but then you also got to understand that we also have to do this like with our partner and the relationships that we have with like, for example, women, because it was like full circle from what we kind of like talked about like this weekend, right? Is uh, in order to have a healthy relationship, right? Now, like there's completely away from the red stuff. It's you literally have like a guy that has mommy daddy issues. You have a woman that has mommy daddy issues. And if they don't figure it out, then that's where like all the, the bad stuff happens. Or if one person is good and then the other person has mommy and daddy issues and then they start getting together, it's either... It's either they, they, they both start going down, which is most of the time, and yeah. nothing ever works. So it's like, at the end of the day, the men in any relationship should be the one that's, like, leading. But he can't lead, you know, a good girl to the place where, you know, the relationship is great if he can't, like, initially do it within ourselves. Mm. That's kind of, like, a big thing that I realized from what you just said. It's like, damn, not only do we have to do this for ourselves, but, you know, our, our close circle, they have habits that are, that are not good for them, and it's either they're going to have to change or you have to help them kind of break through some of the habits that they adopted from their mom and dad, and you're essentially just doing mommy-daddy psycho psychology therapy to, like, everyone else around you because it's literally, like, you either go to a higher level or you're going to go ahead and get influenced by your circle, the people that you're dating, the the, the brothers that you're with, if, if they're not actively doing that hard work on themselves. Can't help anyone else heal or develop yeah. if you haven't done it on yourself first. As yeah. about so below. What happens inside of you is what's going to be projected outside. Most of the times, guys with, and I've been in this scale also, with bad relationships or disrespectful women, it's just a reflection of who they are. Yeah, I agree. The women just feeds off her energy, feeds off his energy. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. And then this is for good women, I'm saying. I'm not talking about the other ones. The good women that they've been with, they react, behave a certain way inside and outside the house. It's the reflection of them. And so a lot of that, if we were to stand up and say, men are better than women, right? Let's just make that argument. I mean, let's just say that now. Then you've got to be actually levels above the opposite. Yeah. Right? You cannot be slightly better and say women are not the same as me. You, do, you want you know, better treatment, position. right? You be exactly. If you want all of these things, you've got to be levels about the other person. Same with male-to-male -male relationships, female-to-male relationships. Yeah. I agree much the same. And with trauma, one book that I've read, I've, I've probably been to see psychiatrist, psychologist, spent 40 months in a veterans hospital. I've done EMDR, cognitive behavior therapy. I've had the stellar ganglion blocks in the neck. I've had fucking every treatment that exists for PTSD. A lot of it I sought out myself. There's... There's a book called Your Body Keeps a Score and it's based on trauma. It's how trauma is actually Your stored. Your body keeps a score. Yeah, it's actually how trauma is actually stored in the body. It's like in a physical DNA. thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that over time it alters how your brain is. Yeah. It? And that's fine. Like guys think that, you know, just because something happened that they need to go back to before that happened. You know, maybe something happened and, mm -hmm. and they fantasize about, you know, I just want to go back to exactly how I was. That's a, Fro that's a Freudian thing. Yeah. Freudian this thing. idea that's that you have true. to go back and relive it yeah. in order to process it. And sometimes like it's like a brick wall, you know, the wall might get smashed. Something might happen, it's a tragedy. And you rebuild the block, like the bricks, you build, rebuild the wall, but some of the bricks are missing. Yep. You know, some shit will happen in a guy's life where he's never the same guy. You know, you yeah. have to bury a child, something happens. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, it's not about, it's about moving forward. And it's like in, in war or battle, maybe you've been shot, but that yeah. doesn't mean that the, the war's over. Yeah. You know, you can still push forward. Like life is like that. You know, there's nothing more worth fighting for than your life. Just because, you know, you've got a disadvantage now, that doesn't mean that you need to dwell on it. And guys in general, will, that becomes their whole identity, a lot of guys. 
everyone has shit that happened. You know, I might have shit that happened or he might have shit that happened that was more serious by like looking in. But that doesn't mean that, you know, a guy might have something which we would be like is relatively small, but his reaction is bad to it. Yeah. You know, everyone reacts to trauma and stress different. And it's fine. You know, it's not something like a boogeyman that needs to derail your whole life. That's true. You know, people need, I think much like you said, AG, people need to be a bit softer on themselves psychologically and harder on themselves physically, I think. Yeah. I think one, one thing that really helped me uh, as a concept I've learned over the past few years is that <clears throat> you're not responsible for what goes into your brain or the conditioning that you had as a child, but it's your responsibility to change it, right? And I, and I think that one thing that really helped anchor me as well is like, having standards, but like being neutral about like, if you don't achieve those standards and reach up and it's not beating yourself up about it, about the results, continue to have, make sure you adhere to the standards. But like, if you fall short of them, don't give yourself a hard time and, and like call yourself an idiot or whatever. Right. But strive to constantly meet those standards, but, and, and stay neutral at the same time. So that's, that really helped me a lot as a concept. You can, you can put good spells on yourself. Mm -hmm. The way you talk to yourself is very important. Like I, I catch myself waking up every day and saying like, I should have slept at one. Mm -hmm. I only slept seven hours. I should have done that last night. The last night bullshit is back in my head again. I'm going through this cycle. Like what, what why am I, I'm alive. I just It is up. what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me restart this whole thing. And then I have these affirmations that I say to myself. And that's very important because mm -hmm. you got to be your own coach. Like I tell some people, you look for external validation, all these motivational heroes and so on. If somebody connected a TV to your brain and it's dis on display, people will just laugh at you or you'll be embarrassed because the shit you say to yourself yeah, is true. horrible. Mm. And some guys, like if, if they were looking at this, how they treat themselves, they would never even treat a friend like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. How, how the shit they put in their body or the things that they tell themselves or you know the, the beating up that they give themselves, if the same thing happened with their friend, they would be much more forgiving than they are themselves. I think people need to be their own best friend but their own worst critic, you know? So you'd be your best friend, but you're very critical of some th other yeah. things. Yeah. But that critical doesn't mean sitting there and bashing yourself up every day. It's Just important mean. to be ambitious and being achieving something. You have to criticize yes. yourself. Otherwise you stick to the same place. Oh, I criticize myself for everything. Everything that I say I'm I know doing. you're a high achiever. That's part of it. Right? But I tweak it in a way like, okay, maybe, okay, I did this wrong. I said this wrong, but tomorrow I'm going to change it. Next time the opportunity, maybe it will never come, but I will say that thing differently. Do that. It's important. I think yeah, I think critique yourself is a bit critique. Criticize is a like kind of it has strong negative. I understand yeah. totally what you're saying. No. I'm yeah. certainly not correcting, but I think it has strong negative connotations in, in many aspects, right? So be, you're totally right. Being able to be, you got to be ambi ambitious, otherwise you're not going to want to do anything it's with your life, right? But you got to be able to critique yourself and understand that actually what I'm doing is not right here. Because if you don't have that self awareness or that analysis, then you're just going to go off like that and you've got to fall off a cliff. Right, so you've got to have those. Those are really important traits to possess. Yeah. Now it's like kind of easy to just oh, we got thoughts in our head, and that thoughts turn into emotions. Those emotions turn into actions. Those actions turn into results, and then that's your lifestyle. But do you guys like remember the day when you actually realize that that you have thoughts? Like I know it sounds like weird, right? But I remember seriously back when I was in college, and, and I, like all I cared about was just lifting and girls, lifting and girls. Like that was just my reality: lifting girls, becoming a dentist. Lifting girls, becoming a dentist. That's all that was like important to me. Dentist. Yeah. And and I remember some guy was just like, oh, I'll read this book, Think and Grow Rich. And and I'm like reading this book and it's crazy because it's like, it's like the typical success stuff. Like, you know, auto suggestion, yeah, yeah. not masturbating. And you're like, what, wait, what chapter, what? And like, don't touch yourself. And it's very interesting. But I remember reading all that stuff and I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and, and listen to this and actually think what they were talking about. Because I didn't understand that concept. Like now... We understand actually we have thoughts. We have to control our thoughts. But do you remember the first time you actually heard those words in your brain? Like I remember when I was like sitting in my crappy Honda Civic in front of like a Lifetime Fitness in 
in the suburb of Chicago. And I was like, okay, I have thoughts in my head. Apparently, they're running my life because this is what this ancient book is telling me. Let me just hear what it's, it's saying. And I remember, like, sitting there, like, not going to the gym <laughs> and just the words... I'm stupid. And I was like, like, like when you first actually observe the, the words that, that are in your head. Yeah. Because before it's you, mostly negative. Do you, do you guys remember when it was like, like your entire life you were asleep and then one day there was one jarring moment that you were like, and you started actually controlling your thoughts and you weren't just like an animal stuck in this environment of just reaction from reacting from one thing to another. To, oh, that's hot. Oh, that's cold. Oh, that hurts. I'm going to go run this way. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that feels good. To a point where actually, whoa, there's these things that's narrating in the back of my mind where when you're reading, you, you're reading, but you hear the voice, but you're not moving your mouth. And it no. kind of like freaks you out for the first time. And you realize that voice has been controlling your entire life. And it's crazy because like now, like if we really think about it, we already know that it exists. But for most people listening to this, they don't understand that there's a voice that's narrating everything about their life. And that's why it doesn't matter how much TRT they do. It doesn't matter how much tattoos they get on their arm. It doesn't matter how much money they make. They're, they're constantly being controlled by this voice. And that voice is connected to, you know, their friends, which probably suck. Their, their mom and dad, who probably yeah. are fighting about money all the time. And, and all of their reality is just controlled by these words. And they don't even can hear it. But it's like a little whisper. Yeah, it's controlling a, and shaping their entire life. I think life. a lot of that's like just, for me, how I program my mind, just much like the book with the chapter thing, I have... I've done EMDR and I've obviously sat through a lot of sessions. So I think I have quite good control over my brain. I just have an ability to mute. Like when I hear things that are, you know, my mind might be saying things like, you know, well, you could have made more money here. You, you fucked up that trade or like, you know, you did this wrong. How did you lose 100K this week? I lost 150K this week. And that's fine. I have an ability in my head where if I hear something negative, I, I just imagine that I have a remote control and I push mute yeah. and it mutes it and it stops. That's I think that it's not a bad thing to, you know, have these things push in, but you can't let them gain traction. Because once the negativity gains traction, it starts to feed into other things. And when you think negative, it's like when something bad happens. Generally, it, it can you can fall into a negative snowball. And yeah. I just keep negativity very far away from me. That's why I like hanging out with guys like AG, Daniel, Mike. You guys, very positive. It, it very, very rarely you go out in clown world or something like that and guys come to you and be like, introduce themselves and start talking about problems or bad traumas or pasts or shit that they've had. Coming in a negative they come frame, from a weak... Yeah, sort of the, even the body frame. language, the conversations coming from a weak area of their lives. It's like a low value. A low, vi low vibration, if that's a word I want to use. But instantly, you know, like, ugh. but sometimes you have to talk to these people. But that's that's how they're set. Well, one of the things I do is I, I talk to myself a lot, actually. And I call, I have this thing I say, we. So everything, there's a problem. Okay, we have to go training today. We have to spar today. We have to do this today. We have. It's like a team thing. <laughs> so I have another entity in my head. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I read something uh, a while back. It was about how the samurai used to do training. And they were taught as if to uh, speak to themselves in the third person. Yeah. Someone is scared. Someone is angry. And, and to look at so how they're... Depersonalization. Yeah, so, like, so what you're doing is like you're depersonalizing it. And yeah. so it makes it easier yeah. to accomplish it, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Especially if you're going to do something bad, right? Or right. something hard. It's right. easier to imagine it from the third person if it's difficult. Isn't it crazy that we all kind of sum upon this, like you you sum upon the, this we hack in, in your brain and like other things are, other people are finding these hacks to go ahead and, and get some type of result or maybe fix a relationship. But if you really look at it, you start reading like ancient texts and you're like, wait, it's all there. It's all there. Like I remember, so before coming here to Dubai, I was like, you know what, maybe if I'm going to Dubai, I should probably be educated on the religion, on on like the culture, all of these things. So before I coming here, I was just downloading 
like all of these audio books about the the Islam faith, and then I was watching all of these YouTube videos about these. It was literally like a video in, in a mosque and just some like old hairy bearded guy just talking about stuff. And I was like, these guys are like saying stuff that are, that are really, really, really like good, you know, like, and it's just, just, you realize a lot of the answers that we're kind of like falling into right now, they've already existed hundreds of years, thousands of years ago. The samurais literally did exactly what you did. And we're just accidentally stumble punny in ourselves. But it's like, there's so much, there's so much wisdom in, in like ancient texts. Very true. And and these things like human dynamics, that's that's not new, right? Like maybe if we want to learn Facebook ads and YouTube ads, like all that stuff changes, but it's like the human condition, it, it, it's not new. Like people have suffered. People have won a lot of things. It doesn't matter if it was money, Bitcoin, or seashells. People have lost a lot. People have fallen in love. They've fallen out of love. And and we're, we're just now just, oh, let's listen to the red pill community. Let's listen to the black pill community. But in essence, it's like all just trial and error to find an answer of something that already existed thousands of years ago. So it just gets me thinking like, why, why aren't we just now reading and finding answers in ancient texts? Yeah. Because it's all there. So it's like technologically or as a society in many ways, we've progressed through an advance, but I think from understanding of the self of ourselves, we've almost regressed, I think. That's true. I think it's a strong disconnect. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a going off the base. I'm repeating myself, but it's going off that center base. Like back in the day, hundred years ago, it'll be like, grow up, e either be a farmer, go do war, be a good person in the community and whatever. Now there are multiple avenues, which is good and bad. It's farting on TikTok. I think the, <laughs> Earl yes. it's like Netflix, right? Like, you know, you load Netflix up, you load Apple TV up. In my day, we used to have, you didn't pick the movie that was on. You just go through the channels. There'd be yeah, like yeah, three yeah. movies, maybe, and you're always happy. Whatever it was, it's a maybe Sunday it was, special yeah, or something. Maybe like that. it's a Sunday special, and it's like a three out of ten movie. But you're always happy. Whereas now you load Netflix up, and there's you like can't four, even pick a movie. Yeah, a thousand so shows, and it yeah. takes a lot longer to pick. Like people in general, when there's too much choice, they get like a fatigue, and they can't choose anything. And I think that's part of what happens to guys when they're younger. They don't know what direction to go in yeah. because they could theoretically go in any direction. They don't have the father that's like, you're going to be a blacksmith. You're going to be a fucking like, you know, technician in some field. And that's, people crave that. That's why the military works so well. It's allocated. Correct. This role, that's it. Simple. We, we went from a fun topic of shitting on Red Bull guys to this. It went deep. Before we close, we've got a few minutes. I wanted to ask you, since we went deep, right? Obviously, you're going to share your last message. What is the... How does a man find purpose? I think finds purpose from within. Like his purpose might be different than mine. I think he, he needs to sit down, I say it, he needs to sit down and write down what he wants. He needs to sit down and write out men he respects. He needs to start studying men. He needs to study the greats. I've studied all the fucking greats. I've studied like, you know, the greats in that done great bad things and greats who've done great good things. You know, Alexander the Great, I've studied. Yeah. Everyone, I'm not going to go into controversial names, but everyone who left an impact on the world I've studied and I've also said this is the parts that I like about the person, this is the parts that I don't like, these are the parts that I don't want to emulate. And that's fine. That's the way that you should look at everyone, even friends. Friends have flaws and you just look and you take the strengths because everyone's naturally flawed. You just take the strengths from them and the parts that you don't want. So they need to write down in the columns what they want and how they're going to get there. And they need to start moving. That's self-awareness. I know that's mm. a big thing that you mm. push. You only know what you want once you yep. sit in the dark room, turn all the bullshit off, sit for a day, no TV, and write down like this is what I want, this is where I am, how am I going to get there? Now I have to do the work. Who triggers me? Like who upsets me? Why do they trigger me? Like why do they make me feel bad? 
why do I, am I envious of this person? Because a lot of people are envious of a certain person, you know, these polarizing characters they don't like. It's because traits of them upset them inside. Yeah. yeah, I think how one finds their purpose is take everything that they think their purpose is and just throw it away. Because you may think you know exactly what you want out of life, but you don't want that, right? You may just think that because somebody else You've been told programmed you exactly to think, that. Yeah. Do you have something? Okay. You've been programmed to think. You've been programmed to think that. And what I like doing is just understand, like, one day you are going to die, right? And if you really want to go ahead and find your ultimate pur purpose, you need to go ahead and understand that this life, this existence, this consciousness, the fact that we're able to go ahead and speak, there is a possibility that after this, we can feel nothingness for eternity. Yep. And to really just kind of listen that, that life is short, one day you're going to die, and the thing that you think you're chasing, it might not be worth it. And you don't want to go in and chase something for 10, 20, 30, 40 years to realize you don't want that. And to really just to, to meditate on the fact that you are going to die, right? And to see your life now as if it was your second chance of living and then living a life like that. Like for me, I constantly think about my death like every single day. I, I know one day I'm going to die. And a lot of the things that I'm living in my life right now on my purpose is really just kind of me as an old man about to close my eyes forever and seeing the thing that I could have been had I been not so afraid. It's like someone once told me that it's like when you die, God comes and shows you the exact plan that he had for you. If you were actually to do all the things that you could have done and the real health is yeah. to dying, knowing that that could have been you knowing that that never happened. Right. Yeah. And, and, Mori, right? and that's the, the thing that I constantly think about my death. It doesn't matter about the money, all of those things. When I think about my death and I think about my end purpose, it's really just in terms of relationship Right, money, it's a thing, but once you get the freedom, I think you take the freedom and you just find people just like you. And and that's kind of like what I found my purpose on. It's just like money isn't really the the end purpose, like what most people give their entire life up. Yeah. But it's just a small piece to go ahead and give you the freedom to actually create the life based off of your values. If your life was a masterpiece and an art piece, how would you go ahead and create it and use it to inspire the next generation? Your own life. Good point. Daniel? Yeah, great points, guys. Uh, I don't have much to add to that, but uh, I'll just kind of <clears throat> round off what we spoke about in during this conversation, which is the importance of mentorship. I, I think mentorship and having masculine guidance and accountability is uh, fundamental. I've always been fortunate enough to have uh, mentorship and, and guidance. Yeah. And, and also, like kind of, uh, as we've spoken about earlier on, is uh, brotherhood. I mean, it took me, I've had, I had friends when I was growing up, but I never had brotherhood. Only until very recently have I had brotherhood. And it's absolutely changed my life. And I think most men go through life without experiencing real brotherhood. And they, uh, they don't really know what life is all about. That's true. And as men, we have it's in our DNA to experience brotherhood. It's like I spoke about to someone about this a while ago, and it really made sense with me. It's like there's a part of our DNA, this latent DNA, that gets activated when you're around a group of other men mm -hmm. like who mm -hmm. have the same, same values, same ethos, same yep. mission. Right, and it's like it's part of your biology, and it's part of who you are, and it's what you're supposed to be. If you think about it logically, our ancestors uh, probably hunted in packs. Right, they were groups, and they were tribes. They shared the same values, same ethos. And so, when you get together in a room with other men who share your same values and, and share the same integrity, it's like it's a very powerful, special thing. And so, I think a lot of men, and younger men in particular, miss that in their lives, and they don't know how good their lives can be. So, masculine accountability via mentorship and brotherhood, and I think that your life will get exponentially better forget all these widgets and these hacks yeah that's that's the real for me that's the real money right there brilliant brilliant anything you want to add no it's brilliant i'd like to hear yours i think life is pretty useless unless you take personal responsibility just drifting 
yeah, what's the meaning of life? We're all gonna die, like you said. We're just bag of bones. Some people there, it's all fate. I don't know the answer to it. I don't know if I'll be reborn. I will not remember even if I'm reborn. So I think the whole point of living is to take personal responsibility for your life and try and do good. I mean, become better in whatever you're trying to do. Never half-ass things. And try to be a better version of yourself. I guess that's it's cool to say that, but I think that is a point of it all. What's the point otherwise? I cannot imagine myself living an ordinary life. I, there's something has to happen. Like this podcast, my life's fine. I don't need to do any of this. I like talking to you guys. We can do talk over a cigar. A lot of respect for you for doing this because yeah. I know that it helps guys. And I know you don't need. Yeah, I don't need this, but I thought this is one way to contribute to the world. And if it helps five guys, like we discussed, it's good. That's good enough. So this also me. This is me trying to improve myself in the media part of things. I guess that's it. Personal responsibility doing something with yourself. Brilliant. Thanks, man. Thanks All right. for Thanks, Thanks for having us. That's a good chat. Brilliant, Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for coming, Thank Daniel. You. I know you're busy. Thank you very much. I didn't read any of your questions. Please DM. <laughs> Please DM the questions. I'll respond later. I'll send it to all the guys. Part two. We'll do a live one day from our countries. Correct. Zoom. Brilliant. Thank you, brothers. Take care. See ya. Thanks, guys.